Hey everyone, welcome to the OFT Podcast. I'm your host, Joshua Voles, Site Manager, Emperor, Supreme Warlord, and Defender of the Faith over at OneFootDown.com on the SB Nation Network. And joining me once again, my Senior Editor, Jude Seymour, and the Chief Inspector, Brendan McAlinden. Guys, I don't know how anybody could have come out of this weekend that didn't, like, you're not demanding that Gus Johnson be the full-time fucking announcer for every Notre Dame game, NBC, Fox, CBS Sports <laughs> News Network, whatever the hell it is. That was a great broadcast. Gus Johnson's the fucking king. Recognize. What was your What was your favorite way that he pronounced Adamiola? Oh, gosh. <laughs> One of the five different ways. Uh, what was your favorite time? What was your favorite way he yelled out Tyree in the in the oh, nine seconds it took on a kickoff return? It was it was difficult for me to hear Gus over the sound of me and my wife both screaming, and then all of my children then in unison screaming with us as he's running down. It was oh, so that, that happened to cute. you. Listen, <laughs> I had already tweeted out the Dom Shabua and all that, and I'm still and I was still screaming, and. Dylan, of all my children, comes in the room like, what the hell is going on, basically? Uh-huh. <laughs> He's like, Dad, you got to stop. And I, and I couldn't. I couldn't stop. I just I just kept shouting. It was just Can't like, stop, won't stop. Yeah, Listen, exactly. When you are – I am 43 years old. And throughout my entire life, once you go down in a game late, you're always hoping – and like, just re- just return this. Just take this fucking. Just take us to the house. I remember. I remember thinking that exact thing in my bedroom when I when I was whatever years old when Rocket took it back against Colorado and that bullshit <laughs> Phantom Clip. I remember having that same like thought, prayer, energy shout out to the universe about a kick return for touchdown. I had the same energy about it when Vontez Duff returned an interception return for touchdown against Purdue to win the game. That game we couldn't score any offensive touchdowns. I was just <laughs> like, we, he has to intercept one and take it to the house. And he did. Same thing happened on Saturday. Thinking, just fucking house this and let's go. And let's fucking go indeed. Wow. And yeah, I guess Johnson just made it way better. That was way more fun. I so, don't care about profession. I don't care about professionalism. I don't look at look at what I do for a living. I don't care. I want to be entertained and have fun. I don't care if he pronounces Admiola. Any, I don't care. It's just fun. It's better. Um, I, I I didn't watch the the Arizona Cardinals Jacksonville Jaguars game, but I sure as hell heard Gus Johnson's call about the uh, the kick six that happened in that game, where basically. Um, the Cardinals tried a 68 yard field goal at, before yeah. the end of half yeah. and the Jaguars took it back 109 yards. And Gus was like, I mean, he was in his, he was in his element, baby. I mean, he's just, God, uh, damn he's right. it's fun. God bless him. I thought Clatt did a good job too. I, he's I just, very, I thought, um, effusive in his praise of Notre Dame too, before, during, and after right. the game. Right. It was nice. Now look, I'm an NBC family. And I don't, I don't mean that for anything that has to do with Notre Dame. And in fact, uh, my grandfather hated Notre Dame, but he was he was a general manager. He helped start uh, Channel 33 in Fort Wayne, uh, him and Hilliard Gates. We're an NBC family. I got like we had beach towels growing up that would have like the fall lineup 
You know what I mean? Like the <laughs> corporate shit you get. Like we like we had a ton of just NBC stuff uh, growing up in our lives. It was NBC was the king. Tom Brokaw, king. So we're just we're an NBC family, but that Fox broadcast was just I can't tell if it's just because it was so different from the NBC broadcast. It was that 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 I'm thinking it was better because I can I can see myself being that way. But it just seemed better in every way than what NBC's rolling out. Like just so much better. <laughs> I was very surprised like, to read on our website that that some YouTube TV customers are not gonna be might not be able to watch the game on Saturday. Oh, yeah, boy. speaking of NBC, right. Oof. Good thing we all signed so, up for those free Peacock subscriptions. That's right. right. Oh wait, it well, wasn't free to me. Well, well you know what's funny is that is the people are like, so just fucking get a set of antennas. And it's literally, even at my age, my old ass who, who, you know, we, I mean, I guess I've had cable my whole life, but still you shouldn't know better about the farmer five, which I guess is like the farmer 25 now. At any rate, it was one of the last things I thought, thought about like, yeah, I guess you could do that. <laughs> I, I, I just don't watch any TV anymore. Everything I watch is like everything's streamed. It's a show streamed. It's, or it's sports. I guess I just don't watch a whole lot of TV. So, but, so yeah, I guess I, at first I was thinking like it was dire, like, man, you guys better get Peacock. I'm like, well, maybe, maybe people don't. <laughs> but if you have it, you're set. And you're watching AP Bio, which is amazing. Oh, and you get, am, the Dan Brown, cr- you get the Dan Brown series, which first two episodes, my wife, it's all right. It's all right. My wife is uh... – my wife and I are currently cruising through season four of AP Bio, and just I am just in love with the fact that this show gives no f's about you know none, none. Uh, about doing something that would appeal to the highest com- common denominator. They're just like, hey, we we want to do an episode about the weirdest shit possible, and like let's just let's just do it, you know. So we we've uh, I watched season three all the way through. And then I stopped. I didn't move on to four because my wife hadn't seen a single episode from three yet. So I'm like, all right, this is something I can rewatch these with her good times. So that's what we're doing. So I haven't got to four yet. That's but awesome. it's just like, it's, it's just so good, man. Four, four is so a continuation. Good. If you love, if you love three, you're going to love four. Cause it's just, a, it's just a continuation of, um, you know, of just so the, the weirdness. Yeah. <laughs> the weirdness. I don't know. <laughs> So. Uh, so, hey, Notre Dame won a big game this weekend. Hey, oh, they won a really Did big they? game. Yeah, but uh, before we review that game, I think I got some reviews oh. uh, to, to read for the for us. Oh, that's so just reminded it. Yeah, I need to work on those. Uh, just a reminder, everybody out there, get your asses over to Apple Podcasts. Stop messing around. Don't delay. Imagine that you are Chris Tyree and Gus Johnson is just <laughs> your biggest hype man ever. Get your butts on over to Apple Podcasts. Leave a rating. Leave a review. Any review that you leave, I will read on the next OFD podcast. I'm a man of my word. Uh, and basically anything within like – I mean, it's got to be really bad for me not to read it. It's got to be like, you got to be a racist or some shit like that for me not to read it. I mean, you got to be, you got to be fucked up. Yeah. Don't, don't take your time. Like true white getting to the end zone. 
<laughs> well, at least he got to the end zone, unlike Cam Hart, who should have got to the end zone. I was like screaming at him like he was Michael Young. Like, what are you doing? At least he was cognizant of it after the fact. We'll get to all that here in a bit. But speaking of those reviews, I got some for you guys. Uh, and I got two of them tonight, both five star. Those are those JOK earned five star reviews. Uh, first one here from uh, Oki ND. Sounds like an Irish Illustrated podcast guy. Is, is Oki ND like on the same level as uh, Swarbrick for Prez? CMU, CMU fans. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's, I, maybe it's just it just sounds like it's on my level. Anyways, <clears throat> says wins over replacement. Josh, would you pick Tyler to start over Jack if we win eight games? I personally think Jack can get us the ten wins max. And I would sacrifice two wins this season for a more experienced Tyler next season. Agree, Tyler needs to be eased in, but I think you have to accelerate that process now so he is an outright starter for the last two games at minimum. Also, am I the only one who looks at the depth chart right now and gets excited for 2023? If Tyler is indeed a good quarterback, a lot of other positions line up as well for that year. Anyway, love the pod. Uh, Keep it up, guys. P.S. Thought for an offseason pod. Most overrated, underrated rivalry games. I would love to hear y'all's takes. I'm an Oklahoma State fan as well, but Bedlam is not really a rivalry, or is it? It really isn't. It's a great name. Bedlam's a great name for a rivalry, It's, but it's not. It's the most overhyped. That might be the most overhyped rivalry game out there. And I really wish Oklahoma State would do more. But um, to answer your question, look, I am never, ever, ever, never fucking ever going to trade wins thinking about next season ever whether it's whether it's the right thing to do or not or who's the best none of that shit matters you ask me you're gonna do this and only win eight or if we do this we went to i'm never trading wins ever we only get 12 regular season games a year i'm not fucking giving you guys any of those terrible losses you know why you don't have my job first of all and have to deal with the shit that i deal with after a loss hell even wins are bad enough sometimes so no i'm never gonna trade away uh, trade away wins. I will say that that doesn't mean that Brian Kelly and Tommy Reese can't figure out ways throughout the course of the season to get a guy prepared for next season, and which I think, which whether they're planning to or not is going on right now as we speak. So <laughs> I mean, uh, God wills it, you know, nature provides. And that's kind of what's going on this year, but no, I will never, ever, 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 I'll trade points before I would trade wins away. You know what I mean? Like people say they won't, you know, you take the field goal. You don't take the, you know, you don't make, I think we, that, that might even happen against Wisconsin uh, on Saturday. Uh, and I'd do that before I would trade wins away ever, ever. Yeah. I feel like this is a classic uh, problem that exists outside of, of Notre Dame, right? It's the old uh, bird in the hand versus two in the bush kind of thing. Uh, first of all, yep. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. The idea that if you play Drew Pine or Tyler Buckner this year and sacrifice wins this year, that somehow that leads to a better outcome next year. It's just, it's not, it's not a, it's not a, a thing that could necessarily happen that way. So, um, look, yeah, no, I'm, I'm taking 10 wins every single time over eight wins. That's, that's, that's silly. I'm sorry. And it's great to have dreams, but don't wish your life away. You know, thanks for the review, but, uh, 
I'll take ten. I'll take the ten wins. Brady, you got anything to add on that one? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 a lot easier to um, weather the hypothetical loss, and and this is sort of my beef with uh, preseason prognostications, where somebody's like, "Oh yeah, I'll take a ten and two season," and it's like, "Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna take two sad Saturdays out of 12. I, so when I you're ten and when you're ten and zero, or you're you're done, right? <laughs> yeah, you're done. Um, yeah, you're just or or you're looking at that uh, Georgia Tech game and you're like, oh man, in order for my prognostication to come true, we need Georgia Tech and Stanford to come through here. It's like, no, Sleeping I giant. I I do not. I I'm too much of an optimist at heart to um, willingly accept having a very sad day because you don't know who those losses are going to be and. If a loss to if it's a loss to USC, I want that streak to continue on um, forever. And it sure would be a bummer to lose to an interim coach USC, or I don't want to lose to North Carolina. I don't want to lose to Navy. I don't want to lose to Navy. I don't want to fucking lose to anybody. Anybody. I don't want to lose to Cincinnati. I mean, I look at the rest of the schedule, and I don't want to lose to anyone. I don't want to lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, I just, I don't, I don't want to lose ever. Neither did Matt Stafford. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, so yeah, thank you very much for that review. And um, that I think we put that pretty plainly. Let's just, let's win now. Deal with it later. Um, <clears throat> five stars here from G bank five review. If you're going to have Gus Johnson on the mic, you might as well house two pick sixes and a kickoff return for touchdown. That was the best review. That's all you needed to say. Yeah. We should start with that review because he basically just uh, agreed with us. You might as well. And that's the thing. That was a 13-10 ball game. And Gus Johnson made it exciting enough where I didn't want to fucking gouge my eyeballs out. That's what I mean. That's that's. That's talent. And that make I'm telling you, that makes a difference. That was, that was a game that is not easily managed by some at home watching their broadcasts, depending upon the broadcasters. It can easily be turned into like, I, I can't even say, I'm not even going to say the names of the announcers, but I'm just saying. I, I will uh, say though, I, um, Gus think or not. Of noon broad, think of noon broadcasters over the years. Oh yeah. Think of that Big Ten West noon broadcast, and just that uh, ESPN two uh, Pam Ward broadcast playing yeah. the Michigan State Indiana game. Um, though I will say there probably was a moment where I did want to gouge my eyes out. I think there was a run right before the half and then into the third uh, where we had three straight three and outs for a grand total of negative nine yards. Um, was that? I'm not even sure. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty rough. That there was, was rough. there was a lot there was a lot of drives in a row that created negative yards. I think I think uh, Wisconsin had a couple too. Uh, I'd have to double check on that one, but they're just it's just bad. It's I, just, I I, I got to be honest though, I never thought we were gonna lose that game. Never no, ever. There was no well, there was no part of me that it was just it was no. a ticking time bomb with Graham Mertz, and I thought no matter how bad. Uh, or how frustrating Jack Cohn has been with leading the offense. I, I just I refuse to believe that Graham Mertz can win this game. <laughs> refuse. At least no Jack, te- Jack Cohn. No team has. No team had a drive over 59 yards, and that was the second possession of Notre Dame, and they missed a field goal. 
miss the field goal. Yeah. It yeah. Not- I mean, to, to Jude's point, um, you you know my thoughts on what Wisconsin's offense was going into this game. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I went I went right on the site and just very quickly on a couple of different posts, just vindication. Like there was yeah. nothing there was nothing that happened. Yeah, I don't think there's anything that happened on Saturday that I, I did not think was going to happen, other than this like. Like 31 points in the fourth quarter, no one I would ever imagine. Outside yeah. of outside of like say half of that, I was pretty confident in the rest. And we and I'm not talking shit. We've been saying it since fucking July, and we stood by it. And we were starting to get proven right pretty early on. <laughs> and then Saturday was just it was the end. Of, it was the vindication. Like this is what we were saying. And, you know, it sucks because it's, you know, Notre Dame is not going to get, and they're not getting any really, honestly, not no. getting any credit for this win. Yeah, I, I, I kind of want to talk about that a little bit. Um, yeah, we will. We're going to get to that in a, uh, a little in a little bit. We're going to talk about the game, and then we'll get into some feelings. Uh, <laughs> but <laughs> No, this whole thing's going to be about feelings, <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> Maybe it should be. Maybe it should just be all feelings. But it's just, that's, we said it, man. Fuck you, Chris Notchelios. No, I mean, don't, don't come at me with your with your bullshit, I, dude. Uh, Drew Ham from uh, over at uh, Bucky Smith Quarter, like, look, uh, that that guy's a, a fantastic site manager. There's there's a handful at SB Nation that I really respect and enjoy. He's definitely one of them. Uh, and he wrote, and I know he's getting a lot of uh, he got a lot of uh, press. I think uh, Jessica Smetana mentioned it on Rake's Pod. About like during the game, he's writing about how wrong he was about uh, about Graham Mertz, and he's like, "As I type this, here's another pick. Here's a pick six. So <laughs> those guys got devastated. I mean, and, which is great. You broke a te- you broke a fan base. Um, mm-hmm. and, but we've been saying that for months. Been saying. That I mean, for they beat months. they beat them almost point for point for the difference between four star players on each roster. so uh, if you wanted to put a i guess um numerical value on the importance of uh talent um the 28 point deficit uh each star difference might be the way to go hey look you you go back and look at uh do the star totals between alabama and notre dame it's five star totals (laughs) Oh yeah. <laughs> oh shit. So, all right, let's get into just a, about this game. I, I know that this is going to be Tuesday morning when you get this. Um, it just is what it is. Uh, but you know what, before we get there, I want to, uh, we got just a little bit more of business to take care of. One, the one foot down podcast is now the proud home of a sponsorship by home field, like a legit, like, <laughs> not just doing Notre Dame this week. Uh, we are now officially sponsored by home field. If you don't know what home field apparel is, man, you are missing out. Go on over, check out their site, homefieldapparel.com. What they do is that they go out and find all these fantastic vintage looks. Uh, and they put all these just gorgeous t-shirts together. The softness of the shirts, the softness of the sweatshirts, the designs, it's just a, it's fantastic. And look, I think I own 
we have one package left. I think all three of us are getting it coming up. And I think I'll pretty much have every Notre Dame thing that they've sold. And that's not even half of my home field collection. <laughs> I did the, uh, the big new Saturday that came out with all these schools. Look, I love this brand. The fits great. It's, it's got a great feel to it. They really understand college football and more importantly, college football fans. Uh, and it's just, it's amazing stuff, man. It's amazing stuff. If you use the code one foot, uh, right now, I think uh, your first order, you get 15% off, get on over and check it out. It's just, it's quality stuff. It's fantastic. I can't say stuff more times than I have in the last 50 seconds, but I'm telling you, man, it's just like stuff my dresser drawers with this stuff. So here's what I'll say about home field. Um, I, I too also own apparel that is not Notre Dame. Um, I'm currently rocking a Tulane green wave hoodie that I'm absolutely in love with. Uh, it's a, a baby blue that uh, I don't typically wear that color, but uh, I just feel so awesome in it because it's the, uh, well, it's the second most comfortable hoodie I own after the home field <laughs> Notre Dame hoodie that I own. So um, the problem with the Notre Dame home field hoodie is that uh I don't, I don't know where it is because my wife has stolen it from me. And, uh, that's See, what I would say by, by your, by your wife or your significant other, uh, your spouse, uh, a piece of home field apparel and, um, you'll see them wearing it a lot because my wife, uh, wears her t-shirt that I bought her for a North Carolina A&T to bed. Um, pretty much not every night, but pretty much uh, a lot of nights because it's really one of the most comfortable things she owns. And, uh, you know, I was very much a, like, do, you know, does the cost justify the, the end result yes. sort of person? But I heard enough people talking about home field that when Notre Dame came, when they came out with Notre Dame apparel, I thought, well, I'll give it a try and, and see what I think. And, and, uh, I've just been, I've been totally impressed, but the one thing I'll say is, um, they're going like gangbusters and they are currently ramping up in terms of all their production lines and their staff and everything like that. Um, but give yourself some time. If you, if you're trying to order for a specific date or, or like a birthday or something, uh, do that sooner rather than later, because, um, they had such a great response to their, uh, to their big new Saturdays, to their, to their rollouts of college teams this year that, um, they're trying to fill orders as quickly as possible. But, uh, you, you're, you're waiting a little bit longer now than you were, uh, even when, uh, we were ordering our, our Notre Dame stuff. So, uh, just give yourself some time there or whatever, but, uh, use that code and, uh, and save some bucks. Yeah, I'll, so I did the big news Saturday, and it, it Judy, Brennan, it worked out exactly how I thought, right? What did I t- say? I'm going to refuse Miami and refuse USC if they happen. We didn't know it. I figured those are two schools that could happen. Sure enough, they did. When Miami came out, I gave my refusal in, gave a beautiful uh, refusal letter to them. Uh, and then I ordered myself up a Colorado State Sassy Ram shirt. Hell uh, just to because I, I wanted to keep up. I wanted the number. Uh, but I think then the last one, and they did a great job of doing this, right? This is how cool. This is why they're good. Like they started with Notre Dame, you bookend with USC, which I refused. Uh, but, you know, they did, they went through the SEC and their, you know, their rivalries, how they went back. It, it's magnificent. Look, I own, so I own all these shirts. I own an LSU shirt now, a Wisconsin shirt that I Texas. almost wore today. I almost wore the Wisconsin shirt today because I knew there was a Wisconsin grad that was going to be at this volleyball game that I was going to just wear just to trick the fuck out of them, uh, but opted <laughs> against it. Oh, the old just, horse. They're just so cool looking. It's hard not to get it. I mean, it's just it's like, yes, give it to me. 
I, I don't care. My wife's screaming at me on week like 12. Like, why does it's like Harry Potter getting this fucking letter in the first one? Like the owls dropping the stuff off. It's, <laughs> and it's, it's just pure fun, man. And if you're big, if you're a college football fan, uh, you know, as deep into it as, you know, some of us, all this is great, man. It's just, it's so good looking. Uh, and that, that is, some of these schools, man, are just, their collections are just like, wow. They don't miss. They do, they do not miss. It's it's so good. So be on. So use that code one foot if it's your first time. Get that fifteen percent off. I Notre Dame will get a refresher, I believe, at some point. So that means like you know, two or three more designs on t-shirts, maybe a sweatshirt. Would love it if they did like a sham jogger, which would be fantastic, because uh, those those joggers are great, and they're never in stock because. Once they get them in stock, they, they go like one day. Uh, but give them a shot, and you're going to hear about it. Maybe not as long, but you're going to hear about it on every uh, every week here on this podcast because they are fantastic, and uh, everybody should just jump on board. Let's do the thing. All right. 41-14, Notre Dame over Wisconsin in Chicago. Soldier Field, Shamrock Series. I feel like I'm Gus Johnson just shouting out words. Lake Michigan, tacos, mustard. <laughs> Onions. Wait, no. <laughs> I I mean, I wanted him. I I thought a couple seconds into that Tyree return, I thought we were going to get that. I thought we were going to get the Lake Michigan, mustard, PBR, home run in, Chris Tyree touchdown. <laughs> Anyways. It was a struggle bus for a minute. And Jude's right. And Brennan's right. Like, it never felt like we were going to be out of this at all. Uh, like, we're, it never felt like we were going to lose this. I never did. Uh, but it doesn't mean that it was, like, pretty. <laughs> it was awfully ugly a lot of times. And that's fine. You find ways to win. And, look, five weeks from now, you look back, it's a 41-13 win, man. Then I don't I don't get the the sports writers – Right now, talking about that. Well, they were losing in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and then we blew them the fuck out. Yeah, I, I, how do you not get credit for that? How do you not get I credit for the absolute? It's a Bama avalanche. How do you not get credit? That's a Pete Carroll fucking move right there. How do you not get credit for that? Because there's a lot of teams that that don't do that, right? Penn State's currently ranked. Where where are they at? They fourth. And oh, but they were losing. Penn State's they good, were, everyone says. They were losing in the fourth quarter to Wisconsin. Yeah. And they won 16 yeah, but they, to 10. But they, beat, but they beat Auburn at home at night. Oh, yeah. And it, Auburn, I mean, they beat Auburn right. in, in Happy Valley at night. A 20th ranked Auburn team who but, almost but, lost to Georgia, Georgia State, State this last weekend. But, but yeah. Penn State's good. Like here's here's uh, the athletic. Um, Chris Vandy does the the athletic 130 where he ranks all the Vanini. teams. And here's what yeah, Vanini. Vanini, and he and here's what he said about Notre Dame. He goes Notre Dame's 41-13 final score against Wisconsin looks impressive, but the Irish trailed in the fourth quarter and they became the first teams since at least 2000 to rush for fewer than 10 yards and win by 28 points. They're a top 10 team in the polls, but not here where they're number 15. If they don't wear Notre Dame jerseys or start high ranked, a team that barely escapes a winless Florida State and average Toledo would not be in the top ten. You can say that about any fucking team. Any How many team. Say that about. 
How many 4-0 teams are left? 20? I think uh, Fox Sports put out their list uh, every every Monday. They're like, hey, here are the undefeated teams. Is your team one of them? So, um, I get, so okay, so they're they're not named Notre Dame or whatever, but they're still a four and team, and you got to give respect to that. I, I don't e- I don't even understand. Like, what, what about Penn State? How, to win its games, he's I, got I he's got Penn State fourth. He's got Oklahoma right. ninth. And Oklahoma, take away Penn State and being ranked high to start the season, like in the top fifteen. It's yeah. What do you have? Nothing. And and exactly. Oklahoma's I mean, ranked number. Why is Oklahoma ranked number nine and Notre Dame's fifteenth? Oklahoma has not had one game where they've looked remotely impressive in any facet of their game. It so was Benini's a miracle. Like, re- like revealing themselves, right? Because like, what's the what's the purpose of a ranking to start the season anyways? This is how good we think they are. Yeah. So if you're telling us that you're just basing your fucking rankings off of which what the name of the team is, then what are you doing collecting a fucking paycheck every week? I don't know. I mean, Brent, he's got, Brent, he's got it, Florida, He's is got he Ohio saying they're the 15th best team now, or they're going to end up at the fi- as the 15th now, best team? Oh, now. 15th, but now. He's got Ohio okay. State at number 12, who multiple times this season has struggled, um, including to a very bad Minnesota team who just lost to Bowling Green, by the way. Um, he's got Michigan State at 14, just above them, who needed a miracle to win a game against Nebraska, a game in which they had nine plays through – like the last until like the last minute of the fourth quarter. I mean, Michigan State did nothing, absolutely nothing. And then and they beat an already I, broken Miami team. I mean, Miami broke week one. Oh, yeah. They're, they're, <laughs> you they're know, dead. I mean, the classic Miami break. He's still got Texas A&M at 11 and they don't have a quarterback and they don't have an offense. What was that? So, what was that score against Colorado? 10-7? <laughs> yeah, 10-7 against the bad guy. I just... I don't understand where there's this double standard. And so all of a sudden, because Notre Dame blows out Wisconsin, like if Notre Dame beat Wisconsin, let's say 27 to 13, and they don't get the two pick sixes, right? Um, Wisconsin then is the win scene better because Wisconsin doesn't lose in such a blowout fashion. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. If Notre Dame wins 27, 13, is that a better looking win? Than this, like only Notre if it's Dame Notre Dame. So much, but, but I thought I was so always told that people just look at the final score and don't actually look at to see how it happened. So right. I would always take forty-one thirteen. Game of the week. That was the biggest game of the week, though. And and it's a game that I guarantee you he picked them to lose. Oh, and that's the other sure. component of this is like a lot of people are out here and they're talking about like oh Notre Dame's offense struggled in this game and they're they're talking about like. I mean, Notre Dame won a big crooked score, but their offense. Well, yeah, looking into the game, there's very few expert prognosticators that looked at this game and said that either team was going to score more than 24 points. I mean, find me a. I never understood the merit of the of how good the quality of a team based on score win against it. Like if 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 two teams play and it's a like. LSU Alabama did like a 10, nine game. Yeah. Why is, why is that so much worse in the eyes of people than a 40 to 38 game? I get the entertainment value of the differences by far, but people look at that. Like if you're, if you play a defensive game, people look at that, like you're, it's a bad day. 
other than you're like your defense just being blown out of the fucking field. Like it sets a it's such a mindset in this day and age that it's so bad. Like it's 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 better for you to have a a great offense and a shitty defense than a great defense and a shitty offense. Hey, even Brandon, jumping yeah. out that where is where's Chris Fanini rank Clemson? Because I think that I think at that argument about if they weren't named Clemson. Oh, he's got he's got him at twenty eight. He, because okay. I, I just this, but, this idea that they're in the, the top 25 at two and two is just, I, I think, a, a remnant of how high they were ranked in preseason, which at this point, four weeks into the season, really shouldn't be taken into consideration. Like th- this is clearly not the Clemson team that we've seen in past years. And I don't and think they're so injured any, now. You have to you have to take that into account. Right. Yeah, got, and, and, and I think I look I think you look at Iowa State, who's in the now others receiving votes and for, and deservedly so for, for their performance so far this year. Um, and you just got to ask yourself why Clemson isn't right there with them. At Iowa State's at 47 on this list, by the way. Um, but what what kind of cheeses me off about his proposition as well, when he dunks on Notre Dame for uh, what well, was they were losing in the fourth quarter and, and just the late scores in the end made the score look crooked. All right, Chris. Um, you dunked on them for Florida State being a close game. They were up 18 points in the fourth quarter, right? So, I mean, on the one hand, you're like, well, they had a game where it was close going into the fourth, and then it ended up looking crooked. And on the other hand, they had a game that was a blowout, and then it looked close in the end. And then you're using both sides of that equation to sort of like dunk on Notre Dame with with the same – like circular logic like you can't have it both ways i certainly it certainly can if you're if you're if you don't care about hypocrisy or inconsistency i mean i I think what if what if what if the fourth quarter was the first quarter yeah i mean a football a football game is 60 fucking minutes everything within that 60 minutes counts correct yeah. Every stat, every whistle, every bit of that 60 minutes counts. So what if the fourth quarter happened in the first quarter? It's it changes then, everyone's perception immediately, correct? Right. But but that's that's the rub is the fourth quarter can't happen in the first quarter in this instance because Marcus Freeman's defense was building towards that fourth quarter exactly. and just Making Mertz increasingly more uncomfortable and increasingly more pressed with the decisions that he was making. And it was a matter of time, like Jude said in the onset, it was just a matter of time when Mertz cracked and Freeman kept pressuring him and Notre Dame took that lead and he finally cracked. And when he cracked, it was like helms deep, man. Okay, here's here's an interesting stat. Here's an interesting stat. Notre Dame had had two defensive touchdowns and a special teams touchdown. Yet they still had the same number of total plays as Wisconsin and owned the ball for almost three full minutes more. Think yeah. about that for a minute. You here, here's just like three quick turnarounds, you know, with those defensive touchdowns. And I, I, well, I, I tweeted during the game that we were running the Navy offense, these like 15 play 49 yards. Right. You know, right. When I did the recap, I was just, I was chuckling to myself. Like, you know, they did this drive. It was like, and it, no drive was longer than 59 yards. And that was a missed field goal. The yeah. other, there was a couple of 56 yarders, uh, were the other long ones, two of them. Uh, and those were by Wisconsin. 
And those 56 yarders, the first one, they, they got stopped on fourth down. And the second one was that touchdown uh, in the third quarter. And that was a, that was like that quick four play one. Other than that, it was a pretty. I, uh, I not, laughed was, because um, Notre Dame dropped 50 spots in, in the NCAA ranking for red zone offense, 50 spots. And I thought, well, I think there's a pretty good reason for that. <laughs> we tend to score outside the red zone. Yeah, I mean, I Notre Dame is clearly a flawed football team. No yes. doubt about it. No doubt about it. But there is something to be said because of the jersey that they fucking wear, Chris Vanini, that we know over the last four fucking years and really over uh, mostly over Brian Kelly's tenure, Notre Dame finds like a billion different ways to win a fucking football game. This is what they do. So what's the problem? What are you what are you mad about? What are you fucking pissed about? Who fucking who you know who slapped your face and called your mom a whore? Chill the fuck out. They're winning football games. You don't like it? Whatever. I mean, this is what and I'm saying. And they just won one impressively. Like, can't well, you be just a villain? Can't you just, for a single weekend or I guess a single Monday just say, you know what? Notre Dame played a good game. Why do you have to just like why do you got to be a dick? <laughs> Brendan, I mean, I, I saw you and uh, Greg going back and forth all day about about rankings and stuff like that. And, and I got to be honest with you, like I, I just don't I don't get as worked up about it just because I feel like winning takes care of everything. Winning takes care of all of the arguments. And I, I, I get that it's frustrating to be disrespected by the national media. But I remember that these guys have lit, literally zero say in, um, in what ultimately the college football playoff does in terms of seeding teams, not only for the college football playoff, but for, See, that's, for that's the mandibles. That's way too logical. What, what, do, what do we do here? We run, we run a college football site. We run a Notre Dame site and a Notre Dame podcast. All this stuff matters. It, it one form or another because it ends up trickling down. It doesn't matter one iota into whether they win or lose or if they're going to be in the look. If Notre Dame wins out, they're in the fucking playoff. Yeah, there's nothing. And they there's, actually there's nothing, have them, according to the Athletics uh, playoff predictor. Right now, Notre Dame <laughs> has the fourth highest chance of making the playoff of any team. Well, that's. I mean, they're ahead of Oklahoma. If you, if you believe that, you should definitely go over to uh, a gambling site and put some money on Notre Dame because I think they have some of the worst odds, um, uh, you know, gambling wise to uh, to make the college football playoff. So when you get past so, Cincinnati, it's. Oof. What I found interesting last weekend was going into the game on the Friday before the game, we had all the writers nationally cast their lot in for this game. And I don't know, I'd say 75% of them at least were on Wisconsin to win this at least. And yeah. even our own, even had our own writers either picking Wisconsin or flip-flopping, you know, at the last second, Tim Priester, good job, buddy. Uh, <laughs> but then to get to the TV guys, right. Who would, I think would have like more cause to like trash their name because it's their TV people. And Matt Leinert's the only fucking one. <laughs> and that's his that, job. That's Matt Leinert's job. Yeah, that's literally, that's literally <laughs> why the, Matt Leinert exists. To be the punchable heel. So like, I just I found that interesting. Like, I honestly couldn't understand 
having seen Wisconsin play, and maybe it's because we have already been on that train for so long, way before anybody else, and we were like, we're putting out the proof of the pudding. But it's just, how could you pick Wisconsin in this game? Well, how, how were they six and a half point fucking favorites? Or five, if you're, five if you're gonna or, put if you're gonna put proof in the pudding, you gotta make sure that you bake some things into it. Uh, I I could do without you hearing that fucking phrase ever again. Like <laughs> what? Where do, did does Pete have a phrase a day calendar? <laughs> I mean, uh, I appreciated that because I don't remember that ever being. I mean, I I've no baked into the box score. That's a term that has been used in the past. It's just like it's been used a lot lately, like a lot. And you just don't—you can't bake everything in the box score, otherwise you, they wouldn't even play the game. It's just ridiculous. Um, I, I actually, I, it's Pete. I know we talk about Pete a lot on this podcast, but Pete, Pete has my sympathy right now because he sounded very tortured on the the Shamrock post game um, podcast because. Uh, first of all, he has, he has never lived down the 2019 Iowa state pick and <laughs> to the point where he now makes fun of himself for it. Um, and he said like, basically that's going to be on his tombstone, um, that he's, that he was made an idiot pick. Right. And now he, he's now declared on the athletic podcast that he cannot, he cannot pick Notre Dame to lose until they lose. Um, because he's just like, he's so twisted in his head about the, the fan reaction to, to picking Notre Dame to lose. I say, just like Notre Dame, and v- embrace the villainy, man. Just keep if picking them to lose. If you believe, whatever, if you believe Cincinnati is going to beat Notre Dame, you go ahead and you pick Cincinnati, buddy. Like and I, just do I, it. I think secretly he does. Anyway, then do it. <clears throat> but this whole just, like the fans will, you know, the fans will give me less s if, uh, you know, if I if I pick Notre Dame and then Cincinnati ends up winning. Like, just tell us who you think is going to win. Like, I we we're amused by it. Like we put our, I put my picks out there every week. You know what I mean? Like you guys can make fun of my picks. I only get, you know, 60% of them. Right. So go ahead. Make yeah. Jude, you are nationally today. ranked on tally site. Number, Number one. one for last, for last Hall, week. <laughs> and, for, and my boy, Philip from uh, one foot down. Yeah. Ten, so, Oh my God. So before we started recording, we, <coughs> excuse me, we're rehashing a little bit. Uh, our, our boy, Philip, was up at the uh, cover of the game, up in the press box for us. <laughs> and that man had a hell of a time getting into, uh, they didn't have his credentials for him, didn't have his parking pass. He calls me, is he's got his car, he's got his flashers on outside the stadium, like cops yelling at him, and he's try- just trying to get somebody to get to a fucking will call window to, get, <laughs> to work this out. He's like showing the emails, like get me in. And, you know, Eventually he gets up there, but we end up getting an apology letter from Wisconsin. Philip wasn't the only one. Apparently Wisconsin doesn't know how to do neutral side games. <laughs> They're like, um, we're not used to this. So sorry. It's basically all they said in a nutshell. So, but shout out to Philip for, for, for going through all it's a pain in the ass, man. I've had that happen before you show up and they don't have your name. Like, like, no, you're sitting there. Sh- like, here is the email from you. Produce my stuff. Uh, hold on. It's it's a pain in the ass. So kudos to him for for fighting through all that. He got to see a hell of a game while he was there. Anyway, the press box in Soldier Fields in a it's an interesting position. It's like in a corner. It's right? not a. It's not a. Yeah, well, he did not. I guess uh, 
speaking of Samson, I think Samson was sitting down in the uh, the row in front of him. It's not a very gr- good spot. Like that. Um, so at an odd angle, not at an odd angle, but it's just like it's odd. Yeah. <laughs> so. I guess I guess they got a good uh, view of the the Tyree uh, kickoff return touchdown though because I, I think the the play moved away from the the Prescott box if I understood it correctly and and you could see the hole that he was gonna run through yes uh, pretty early on yeah <laughs> oh my God what what the level of excitement that was my God uh, that it was funny I what took longer the ball getting to Kaiser. Or Drew White's return. Because <laughs> I don't know how you could be a major college quarterback and have that ball be in the air as long as it was. Well, how about uh, how about the pass that Cone threw to Avery Davis on third and 10 that went, uh, it ended up going three yards, but he threw it across the entire field. I mean, I felt like that one took forever, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's another one. Uh, so... Pretty interesting. Uh, it appears Notre Dame has three quarterbacks. And I'm going to preface this real quick. I can't fucking stand quarterback talk in season. I don't like it out of season. I don't like it in season even more. But it is what it is. I, I mean, I'm sorry. And I mean that in the sense of who should be starting, who should be playing, blah, blah, blah. I think a lot of it is... Number one, I, I can't stand fans, uh, the way they talk about it. It's just like, I don't care who it is, whatever quarterback it is and what, whatever year it's been, like the first incomplete pass, Twitter goes fucking ape shit. It's like, I, honestly, I, I can't, it's, it, that's tough to deal with. I, there's a whole, there's probably worse shit that gets said out there that I can be like blinder to. That stuff is just like, it attracts my eyeballs and just makes me want to vomit. But anyways, Notre Dame's got three quarterbacks. What's the last time Notre Dame's had three quarterbacks that have touchdown passes in non-garbage time four games into the fucking season? 2011. 2000? Three quarterbacks? Non-garbage non time? Non-garbage time. Game pressure. 2011? I mean, I can tell you the answer to it if it is eleven or not. Who are the Who are the three? Chris Reese and Chris. Hendricks. Although Hendricks might not have been as early as Game Four. No, he no, didn't he throw yeah, touchdown. He, he didn't throw a touchdown until Stanford. So the last game of the season. <laughs> Oof, that game. But he ran so, for a yeah. touchdown well before that. Uh, I'm not. I'm no, not count, he didn't. Not, he didn't no. run for a touchdown until Stanford. And the, I wouldn't count that anyways. Oh, uh, the Air Force? He got tripped up, didn't he? Against Air Force. Yeah. Because that that was a real that was a super long run that he got that Yeah. Yeah. But was anyway. Zaire who scored on his Zaire scored on his first play in t- 2014? Is that was that against Rice? Didn't he come in and run for a touchdown? Anyways, you're you're but your that would be garbage well time. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah, that, that was, he, didn't, I was like, he didn't. He didn't score against Rice. Real game, four game, real game pressure. Four games into the season, three quarterbacks have touchdown passes. Just saying, it's yeah. just it's 
it's a Brian Kelly team. It's a legit Brian Kelly team when you got this uh, this strangest thing going. I don't well, hate it. I think Pat Forty tweeted about it. Maybe he wrote a column. I'm not 100% sure about the fact that said, say what you want, but Brian Kelly's backup quarterbacks have, in his, during his Notre Dame tenure, have answered the bell. When they get called on, they, they for the most part, uh, respond at the level of play that you would expect a, a starting quarterback to, to, or a backup quarterback to play at a starting level. You know, Ian book, yeah. Tommy Reese, Deshaun Kaiser. Sure. I mean, it's just, it's legit. I, it's you're right. Say what you will about them. And plenty of people have plenty of things to say, but I think it was a uh, oh, split zone duo podcast. It was just, they were besides themselves about Texas A&M not having a backup quarterback. And I can't remember if it was Alex or Rich. I think Alex was just like, how the fuck are you in Texas and not have a backup quarterback? Those guys just like fall off fucking trees everywhere. How do you not have one ready to go? And then later on, and I kept saying like, man, are they really not going to mention Notre Dame? And then a few minutes, a few minutes later, when they get to the Notre Dame game, they're like backup quarterback, Texas, you know, you know, mocking it like Brian Kelly's doing it. Jimbo Fisher is getting paid $12 million a year. Or twenty, whatever the fuck it is, the GDP of Geneva, as Alex said. <laughs> <laughs> what did you guys think of? Uh, I mean, I, I I happen to remember a host on this podcast taking one Drew Pine and Ooh. putting him into a wood chipper, Ooh. Uh, head first, uh, Ooh. much to the chagrin of one Jude Seymour, mm. and then he comes out in this ball game and. He looked impressive. I'm just he gonna did. Say. I will, okay, so I I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna give him my props here. Just one second. But first, I I had I do have something to say about backup quarterbacks coming in, which I think I mentioned already because we had a deal with uh, Tyler Buckner coming in. Yeah, the Florida State game. You brought it up. Yeah, it's like you. it's a whole different thing. Like yes, this is the first time they had seen him at all. Period. Like the the handoffs don't count from last year, unless so they're there, watching the no garbage snaps of Alabama and game prep. <clears throat> right. So there is a little there is a little bit to the Frank Reich theory that I live by. There's a whole lot to the Frank Reich theory that I live by. But that's not to say that I wasn't impressed with Drew Pine. That's not to say that I that I don't that I didn't get have a uh, more confidence. You know I. I got, I gained more confidence in what Drew Pine can do coming in off the bench. So kudos to him. I mean, for, I mean, honestly, uh, I, I think now we have a better sense of what the Notre Dame quarterback depth chart has been. And that's been cone one pine two with the Buckner package, like legit. That's how it's rolling. Buckner didn't come in because he was the number two quarterback. He was never going to threaten to start. He was the, the package guy. Pine has basically been the, I, as far as what I'm, everything I'm reading into, uh, Brian Kelly has said, and, and everyone else has said, I, I'm reading it, that's what it was. So while it appeared that I was right when Buckner came in, that I was actually wrong, that he wasn't the number two, legit number two. So, you know, that would be Pine, which makes sense considering they're the ones that were battling out in spring and fall. So like all this kind of happened weird. Anyways, Drew Pine did a great job. Couple things that I 
I really liked. And that was number one, Notre Dame's icon video once again for the win. But seeing Pine, like the way he was leading the team, number one, well, they, you know, what they suggested on, with the, on the Inside the Grad podcast, which everybody needs to listen to. It's the best fucking Notre Dame podcast there is. Uh, listen to these kids tell about their experience. You get more information from them than you will us. But talking about how much Drew Pine, uh, you know, how, not just how well-liked he is. Like, well-liked is a, you know, there's walk-ons that are well-liked. But there's a there's a respect there for Drew, for Drew Pine and what he does. And Brian Kelly talked about it. But just watching him, like, let's go, let's go do this for Jack. Like this was a, this was, he made it about, he made it about Cone. He made yeah. his play about Jack, which is the best thing a teammate can ever can do. Like you're hurt. We're going to go do this. This game's about you as much as like Cone deflected. And we talked about that in the, in the preview, like whatever he said, all that, we, we knew what, what Jack Cone, you, the Long Island revenge, you knew it was there. That's how much it meant. So to see Drew like instantly, like let's go, let's go sc- score for for Jack. Says a lot about him. Number one, there's no butterflies there. You know, he's he's getting his first like real time against Wisconsin. And there's no butterflies. Oh, and he gets there. and he gets hit and fumbled. Right. I mean, like well, talk about I was getting rid get of the butterflies. Point. Right. And I was gonna get to that point later too. Is like a lot of people talk about you know, his ability that day, which is fantastic, but you still got to block for the, you still got to, these line, man. I, I will never get out of my mind. And I have a screenshot of it too. Of Tosh Baker hustling his ass off after his man just destroyed his quarterback and him running as fast as he can to try to get that ball. That's fumbling down, <laughs> down the grass. I mean, I, I've seen that probably 50 times since Saturday. That's the, that is of all the things that happened Saturday to me, that's the the thing that sticks out the most is watching pine get destroyed by a guy that just flat out beat Baker in half a second. And then Baker run his ass off to try to get that ball. I can't get that image out of my head, but no drew pine. I, I was extremely hard on him all off season it is what it is. Did well. I have no idea what any of this means moving forward, other than the fact that I don't Jack Cohn is the starter Brian Kelly has said he's a starter. And I don't think he starts against Cincinnati. <laughs> uh, uh, so take all that for what, for what it is. Do you think, so, oh, go ahead. I was going to say Jack Cohn's injury obviously is, is going to be a big, um, part of the equation about why, whether he starts against Cincinnati, but if he is say 80 or 85% recovered, do you sit him for this? Start. Do you sit him for this game? Yeah. Yes. This is, okay. this is There's not a game mean, that you want an 80%, an 80% guy that is already not mobile. Right. Um, right. With I mean, is there, Greg, is there, Liam, is there Greg pointed out today in the chat, I was saying, Greg put it out today in the chat. Like he uh, had a nice still shot of when, of Cone going down on that sack, uh, where his ankle and foot was at, and he's like, "Man, that's got to be turf toe." And he's absolutely right. Like I, I don't know what the diagnosis is, and I, I don't don't know if they said ankle, but it could be an ankle, could be that turf toe. Like he's no Jimmy Clausen, and <laughs> you know, and look, Cincinnati Col- ain't Purdue. 
Cincinnati yeah. is not Purdue. Yeah. Well, I mean, Michigan State, Jimmy did that shit too. So, and that was, you know, hardcore defense, Michigan State. But yeah, an 80, 85% Jack Cohn, that ain't going to cut it, man. No. It's, and if it is Turto, I mean, that's, that's not great that's a, for a guy behind a bad line. No, no. Hell, just a just a bum ankle is not. Jack Cohn could not like a dislocated finger. That's fine. Uh, losing a like if he had a pinky cut off, that's cool. You know, his jaw dislocated. Fine, but he cannot have anything below the hip go bad and be viable behind uh, behind center. Yeah, I just. It, it, it's just, I mean, it's that way. It, it shouldn't be I that way. Some- like, Jack Cohen would have been amazing. He would have been a lot better behind some other Notre Dame lines that we've had in the, in the recent past. That's not the case this year. I I wonder I, how I, much I, of it too. I'm not as down. I'm not as down on Cohen as like most everybody, like a lot of other people are. I I'm not on that level. But, but there's obvious issues with that. He has held onto the ball. Longer than he should. Why are you not seeing this read? And you know, there's maybe there's reasons that we don't know about. I can't I can't say. But when the line's that bad and you're holding on for that extra second, you're toast. You're just you're absolutely toast. Well, I and I think there's something to be said about the fact that now his play seems to be reflecting the fact that he he is he's afraid of getting hit, especially from his blind side. I think he's hit. I think he's gotten he's gotten hit too many times, and now it's. Yeah, he's he's starting yes. to react to well, that, he just, and and he can't he can't wipe it from his memory as as well as some as a as and a quarterback clear. too. Saying footsteps about that isn't calling a guy a puss. No, no, that's no, just, not, just, just, I, that's, no fun that's getting just hit. You're, you're, used, you're used to some fucking animal coming at you <laughs> in, in a certain amount of time. You're absolutely right. You're hearing footsteps, but it yeah. has. That's that's usually a term that you hear when when you when you're talking about a guy playing scared. Oh, you heard the footsteps. Footsteps. No, 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 no. Yeah. Jack Cohn's hearing it because that's repetition. This is what's happening on every play is there's some animal coming, breathing down his fucking neck because he can't block an animal. Well, one of the other interesting things from the Kelly presser, too, is he said that it's been a tough adjustment for Cohn to move to shotgun. Yeah. Yeah. That which none of us talk about. None of us. That talked. one was like, oh, because it, it, this is a most of outside of you know Madison, Wisconsin. How many teams are running it under center? Um, so yeah, I'm surprised nobody NFL picked team, up on that earlier. Yeah, even NFL teams they're not running under center, and there's teams where it's like fourth and one. An NFL team there's a big scuttle on it. Uh, like what you don't have an under center package, and it's just because guys don't take. I mean, if you're if you're used to taking snaps one way and the pocket's entirely right. different, right? Because you're dealing with an entirely different right. pocket from shotgun. To, so that could be something, too. And let's not forget that Cone's also he's he missed all of last year with a foot injury. Right. Yeah, I just I, I thought the pocket shotgun or the shotgun under center thing was it's like like one of the most obvious things. And I just don't. It's just one of those things you just don't think about. It's it's the little things. I could never play football for Brian Kelly. I don't get the little things. But that, I mean, it makes sense to me. Kelly even talked about fixing it. Like 
the little hits you get off off of the under the center. They had to make sure that what he wasn't doing that. He's going too deep back in. I mean, it's all right. So now he's got to do something completely different than what he's been used to. So holding on to the ball for an extra second, I think that has a lot to do with it. Like that's one thing leads to another. Ergo, Proctor Hawk, <laughs> it's the whole fucking shit Google Vanna. So it's just it hasn't been good, man. It has not been a good marriage. And it's not all Jack Cohn's fault, but it's not all his line's fault. It's just it's not been a good mix lately. Yeah, it's just sometimes it's about, you know, fits. And, you know, if you got a Ferrari, that's not the car that you want to take if you're going off-roading. And vice versa. Right. And again, like, another name line that we didn't expect to be this bad. Like, we knew they would yep. regress. But we didn't expect him to be this bad. I don't think Kelly so did you put, either. No, no. Which, you know, I don't know. Maybe maybe he did. It just puts out a good front because, I mean, Notre Dame's defensive front is pretty fucking solid. So if you're going up against that in practice, they got to be seeing a lot of the same things they're seeing in these first four games. You know what I mean? Unless Blake Fisher was just so fucking, you know, we only saw him for a half. Maybe he's just so much better, and now he probably is than, than the the next three down the fucking depth chart. I mean, God, we had our, what are we going to get to the fifth strings left tackle? Whoa, whoa, whoa! Keep, keep that monkey paw away. <laughs> yeah, please don't speak those things into existence. Why not? It might work. I mean, shit. I mean, you used to college football. Rosters used to be like 120, 120 guys, like of scholarship guys. So maybe you know, extra fifth string guy. Joe Montana wasn't he fifth string once? Yeah, I think when he came in as a freshman, there was something like that. Yeah, you know. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's just look, it's been a difficult thing. You just wish that you get a little more from your line, and you wish you wish Jack had get rid of it just a wee bit quicker. Like throw that fucker away. Get rid of it. Like throw it in the fucking, in the stands. Do anything to take that that, another sack. And he leans into a lot of sacks too. And there were a few on on Saturday. I'd say about half of them. Yeah. It's almost like he's took, I would say it's been half. And you know, let's, let's not just like totally discount the fact that Wisconsin's defense was very, very good. Um, their front seven was pretty exceptional on Saturday. Um, so some yeah, of, tough. I mean, they're tough. Yeah, they're tough. They're tough. Um, and from a toughness standpoint, they'll probably be the toughest line front seven that Notre Dame will play um, this year. So tougher than I mean, Cincinnati this week, you think? I think tougher. I think Cincinnati's got a better, a significantly better back end. Uh, with sauce back there and, uh, but their run defense isn't high, isn't highly ranked, right? Uh, <laughs> no, their run defense is exceptionally high ranked. Um, Oh, what, is it, is it pass defense? Is it one of them's a, an, a known problem, right? Um, well, they're kind of, well, good, good passing offenses and good big plays like Georgia put up 400 yards on them last year. Um, Ooh. otherwise they kind of coasted through the, and that, the and that George, and that Georgia game, which I literally just heard from, God damn it, what podcast was I just listening to just a couple hours ago? 
brought up the fucking Cincinnati Georgia game, and I'm oh, it was Irish Illustrated podcast. Priester brought it up, and I'm screaming, "You have to put the caveat that was not Georgia. That was a skeleton. That was like second stringers." God damn it! Like, let's be us. I mean, can we just be honest about these things when we talk about them? Like, we don't have to hype. Like, if you are the person who has to be like the consummate pro, and I'm not picking on Priester. This is fucking everybody. And you know, make sure you point out Notre Dame's flaws and, and point out how good this team is and what good things they did. Can we not at least be honest? They did not they, play Georgia in that bowl game. They played skeleton crew, Georgia. It's they it's were not down the eight. Same. They were down eight starters, by the way, including a starting both starting cornerbacks, starting safety, starting center, starting star, starting tight end, and starting right guard. And still lost. They didn't even beat them. They lost. Yeah. You lost the skeleton Georgia, which you so, should because it's fucking Georgia. But to, to, to all count four, that as like some, all four Georgia defensive backs opt out of the game. I it just, yeah. To count that as some massive win, a close loss against Georgia in a bowl against a skeleton crew Georgia in a bowl game. Let's count that as some massive win moving forward, while you lose most of your offensive line. Just like I don't, just say it. Say the fucking things. It doesn't Brandon. mean that Cincinnati's got not good. Yeah, no. Cincinnati's Brandon, good. I might be looking at the wrong metric, but according to NCAA rushing defense statistics, Cincinnati's sixty-six. Yeah, they're only giving up three point eight four or three point four eight yards per carry. I mean, Indiana I mean, ran. Wisconsin is number one, so this yeah, isn't. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, last year they gave up 3.13, including Georgia. They were down two guys, but Georgia, Georgia only rushed for 45 yards. Um, you know, Indiana rushed for 152, and almost, you know, it's it's they're they're a good they're a good rush rush D. I don't think that they're as tough as. Well, uh, that's I guess that's the question: is don't you don't you think it's going to be easier to run on Cincinnati than it was on Wisconsin? Uh, yeah, I think they'll have more than three yards. <laughs> okay, that so. was sack adjusted yards, but yes, okay. Um, yeah, I think I think they should it should be a little bit easier. Um, but I, I think that Wisconsin uh, is. To, I think Cincinnati probably has some faster dudes um, than than Wisconsin does. But Wisconsin's linebackers were were both very very good. Um, I don't think Beavers or Pace for Cincinnati are as good as uh, Chanel or um, uh, shoot, who's their uh, the Wisconsin star linebacker? Um, uh, oh, Sanborn. I don't think either of them are as good as Chanel or Sanborn. But I was running back for the bathroom, tripping over myself, trying, shouting Sanborn. Sanborn. <laughs> Say Sanborn. Yeah. Say Sanborn. Um, but yeah, I, I just, I think they have a significantly better back end. Um, I think, you know, Maje Sanders is better than anyone on the line that Wisconsin has, but yeah, I, I think Wisconsin was very good defensively this weekend and Notre Dame probably shouldn't have taken, uh, six sacks. They probably should have taken three, right? Definitely, uh, should they have, the, blind, should they... definitely the blind sider on pine. So should they have ran the ball 
on first and goal those first two plays. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that whole sequence when the offense was clicking (laughs) and, you know, the pass game was was working and you had Wisconsin on roller skates and then you just threw away a red zone opportunity and then they missed the kick to top it all off. That was that was oof. So let's uh, let's talk a little bit about per, some performances in the game. Um, Kevin Austin did exactly what we thought he would do. Uh, he was targeted nine times, caught six balls, 76 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, and this is after a game where he was basically benched against Purdue because uh, of how bad he was playing. So he comes out, has a big game. I don't think to no one's surprise, right? Like that was the guy that everybody said he's going to have a big game. He's just – He's going to have a chip on his shoulder. We talked about the chip on the shoulder. But there was a couple of times, and I've noticed it this year. Kevin Austin slows down running when the ball's thrown, and I can't figure out why. Like, is he expecting it to be underthrown? Because then you, you watch him slow down, and it's just like the ball goes sailing past him. It's like, I know you're faster than this, but it legit looks like he has, he's pulled up some, and I don't get that. <laughs> At all. I wish those balls that get overthrown to Austin would be thrown to Lindsay, who seemingly <laughs> every time he beats a man by like six steps that he has to like try and double backwards to, to catch a contested ball. Because he had Lindsay. Which he can't do. Yeah. Lindsay cannot catch a contested ball. Like all, all fall practice, we're getting clips of him doing that. And he's. He's not doing it at all this year. Like, I mean, the one this weekend where he had, I mean, he would have had a touchdown if Cone would have put some air under it. And I mean, the problem is, is Lindsay's having to catch a ball through a guy. Uh, he hasn't been able to, to right. have that like circus catch, but like that's a circus catch for a re- like that. Well, he had to he catch had it one. through the torso of a defender. He had, he had one against Purdue. He sure did. I'm just, like there's and just he didn't catch it through his own torso. So <laughs> yeah, every nothing's been going right with Braden Lindsay, and I guess that leads me to this point too: is like, are we using our speed guys correctly? Yeah, I guess in, in my mind, I look at this Notre Dame team and I look at this is like this to me. If this feels like one of the fastest teams we've had, like legit, like a, like across the board, like the speed that we have on this team. And if we're going to have Chris Tyree and Braden Lindsay and Kevin Austin out there at the same time, how are we not seeing any kind of jet sweeps? Like how is there, if listen, if Braden Lindsay is just a speed guy playing football rather than a wide receiver, then why aren't we using, why, why aren't we trying anything? Why are we not doing something to get the ball in his hands? Like, hand the fucking ball to him and let him let him go rip it try to do what he can do i think that that play works significantly better if you have a quarterback who is a threat to keep the ball and run it himself and i think that maybe if well, we see pine they also played it off of the run, the running game itself like that was almost that was almost always a a a, a, a fake to to kyron going off tackle and Braden yeah. coming around too. I mean, there's, yeah, there's reasons why like in the sequence of things, but at the same time, it's like, if you're having struck, 
you're struggling one way or another. Like, can't you? You, you gotta figure out a way. Like, and where's say, the oh, fuck the sequence? Let's just let's try something here. And I don't know if this is the cone thing, because um, I mean, this is a third straight game where he's been under 55% completions, and there wasn't the, the drops this one, and he's not getting rid of the ball. Like, where's the play to Kevin Austin? where you hit him on a quick hitter and let him make plays in space. Where's where's the 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 quick shot to Lindsey um where you get him in space? Where you know, we had Buckner throw the pass to Tyree where he got on the edge and made a big gain. Where's that been since Toledo? And Cuz yeah, you're absolutely right. And the thing is too is like you watch Notre Dame games over the last you know, 4 or 5 years and some of the you know, good edge guys we've had like, like Julian Aquara. How did teams take Julian Aquara out of the game? Quick Quick passes, quick, I mean, quick reads, quick passes. And that's, I mean, yeah, we won those games and our defense did a lot to shut them down, but a lot of times that worked too. So, you know, if, if your line is not pass blocking the way you're up to, and if cones having issues back there, holding on to the ball, why are there not more play series that involve quick reads, quick throws? You know, I mean, like you can play, you can play call around some of this. And I think Tommy Reese has in some, in some regards, but I think there's been more that you could, you could have done. I look, I think cones probably done for a little bit. If he, if he's not hundred percent, he's not going to be hundred percent this week. I don't believe. And this is just, this is just all like getting and guesswork on me. It, I think, I don't think he's going to be hundred percent, which means, Kelly's not going to put him in. It's going to be fine. Then you have. Yeah. Yeah. Pine and Buckner. And then you're traveling to Virginia tech. And I think there's a, there's a lot of people out there that believe that, you know, basically Jack Cone was brought in to go on the road against Florida state, go to Chicago against Wisconsin and go on the road to, to Blacksburg. You know what I'm saying? As a, as an experienced guy on the road, to handle all of that. I maybe we're past that now. I, I don't know. And I, this is not, I'm not the person that calls for the starting quarterback. I'm not, no, I'm not. Somebody else could be that guy. Cause like 90% of the people are, but that's not me. I'm just stating out fact. And the fact is I don't believe, or, you know, that Jack Cohn got hurt. He's hurt bad enough not to come back in the game. I don't believe he's coming in. Saturday against the Cincinnati, what happens after that? Right. I don't know. And what does the offense look like against? Because, I mean, very realistically, Drew Pine could go out there and, you know, show his ass. And then that's that's a real possibility because Cincinnati is sure. very good. And then, I mean, Cone won the job, right? I don't think it was handed to him. The, the battle went on into the fall. I think that Cone legitimately won the job. So um, nothing's given. I mean – the backup quarterback's always popular because you don't you don't know, um, and there's something sexy about the the unknown. But man, you, if that if that if that, and again, this is a big if. But if that if that offense is humming with, um, you know, Pine seventy five percent of the time, Buckner twenty five percent of the time, it's going to be real hard to get Cone back in there. Oh, I know. And the thing with Pine too that I loved, absolutely loved, is when he did the Connor McGregor strut after eh. he scored his touchdown, which that swagger in a quarterback is something I can't get enough of. Sure. Um, Cause I think that that's what quarterbacks need to be. They need to be like red ass jerks that, 
um, are willing to, you know, have that kind of swagger. And then Kelly on the sideline in the video where he's doing the fist bump yeah. as uh, Pine's doing the swagger. I think that, you know, Book had that too, that sort of red ass swagger. Well, the, uh, the other thing is when, when you're, when you're the backup quarterback, you come in the game and you get hit from behind and fumble the ball and cause your team, um, you know, points. How do you react to that? Right. And I thought yeah. that the reaction was great too. Yeah, I mean, to bounce back from that um, and not just like you get hit, you're losing now. Um, and now you're yeah, shell-shocked, that, you know? Yeah, yep. and, he, and he wasn't. So that's, that's, that's wildly impressive, and that shows that the kid's willing, able to rise up to the moment, um, you know, in a tough spot. Um, I mean, it's an incredibly gutty performance. Yeah, I just I think next week if if Cone's not 100, percent you you can't play him, and you, you you just take your lumps or you or you make your hay with uh with the two guys that are that are well enough to play that have proved that they can handle the game situation and nothing's too big for them, and then um you know I think there there hasn't been enough said about sort of the overreaction to Marcus Freeman from week one uh, this whole like you know. Oh, yeah. I was yeah. I was told the defense was going to be good. <laughs> uh, I mean, we said it on our own podcast, right? And I, I think we were being a little bit more cheeky than some people. I think some people were literally saying, what did we pay this guy $2 million for? Like, he's a bum or whatever. And the adjustments that have been made in, in four weeks, uh, you can't help but be impressed well, by that. We were we were very, fix your fucking problems. Like, yeah, get, get, get some tackle drills going, basically. I mean, that, that was... That boiled. I mean, I think that boils it down to everything that we were saying that week. It was like, yeah, it was tongue in cheek for sure. But we're just saying, you know, they couldn't tackle for shit. So fix that, and things should get better. And they have. (laughs) Yeah. What is? I think the counter now is four touchdowns in three the last three games. Two of them were Toledo. (laughs) So. Well, how about the how about the third down, shutting people down on third down? I mean, I think that's that's been amazing too, right? Oh, and fourth down, right? Right. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, guys, you don't expect making plays, making huge plays. If, I mean, listen, Chris Vadini, if holding a team, if holding a team, I don't care who your fucking quarterback is, to one of fourteen on third down. Isn't impressive enough for you to like say, okay, then fuck you. One of 14 on third down and 0 for 1 on fourth down. That's a solid. That's solid. I mean, that's, it, that's, that's doing good business. That's, that's doing the job, man. I mean, God. 3073. That's the line across the board for Wisconsin. What is that? That's that's a team I mean, that isn't wasn't capable of of scoring on this defense, and they didn't. I mean, what what would be said about Wisconsin if Wisconsin would have pulled this out? What if Wisconsin wins thirteen to ten? Oh, that it was a gritty Big Ten win. Um, they would have instantly jumped into the top fifteen. Um, Huge step for this program, right? Signature win, right? For uh, their only Auburn. loss was the only loss was a close one against Penn State, and they just beat Auburn. I guess that yeah. uh, Shamrock series magic is now over. I don't think yeah, we're talking I mean, about the fact just, that they're still undefeated in the Shamrock series. <laughs> they sure are. <laughs> yeah. We we played in all state um, uniforms and didn't die. Oh, speaking of which, another green out for Cincinnati. 
Are we finally yeah. coming out yeah. with green jerseys? Were they better? No. They should. Like this is. It's just not, I don't feel like they're going to. But all right. Well, li- but listen. I so I have a theory about that. Okay. So Jude, what throughout throughout the course of the last twenty years, when people bitch about the green jerseys, yes. What is the thing that is that the I most? What, what's the most cog- cognizant thing that people can say? In uh, to like to refute using them, what's what, what's what's the big argument that is actually a legit argument against using them? It's the only one. It's, there's only one thing. Do you know what that is? Uh, no. In many fans' eyes, the only time to break out the green jerseys is when you face an opponent at home. As an underdog, a ranked opponent at home as an underdog. Sure. That would be this weekend. That would be if the if the line holds. You're absolutely right. If the line holds, yeah. There's a lot of so, money being. I mean, uh, but uh, but I mean, you got to decide before that, kind of. I mean, you don't because they got all the shit in. in well, you, you do because <laughs> they have to make them, so it's probably. Oh, they're still made. Well, I mean, yeah. they're already made. It's just a matter I, of if you can call them up or not. I mean, made? I have my theory on it. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you think that you think there's a green jersey ready to go every year? Yes, yes, yes. That's interesting. Absolutely. Um, so, so I wonder if, if we have a friend recall, who can help us out with that insight. <laughs> no, I mean, I know so, that for a fact. They're they're there every year to use. I don't I don't know if that's always been the case, but for the last six seven years, that's been the case. Okay. They so, just go to the bookstore and grab a couple off the shelf. <laughs> They'll all be the same number. Right. So that well, and that's the thing. Once, once they started selling that legit full time Under Armour, like I don't, I don't, I don't know if that was the case with with Adidas, but it might have been. But I know for a fact with Under Armour, they've had they've, it's sitting there in the equipment room ready to go, so or in a warehouse story, if they need it. The story with 2018 was that the players got to vote for either Michigan or Florida State, right? Right. And they voted Florida State. Well, that's what we were told. So I don't buy it. So my question then is, let's say that they're going to do – so they're doing like an impromptu last-minute green-out game, right? Um, so if you were going to wear your green jerseys, you had two night games scheduled, and one of them was USC and one was, was you know UNC. Um what if the what if they had the green uniform ready to go for one of those two games, and now both of those teams have eaten embarrassing L's multiple times, two embarrassing L's, and those two programs are afterthoughts, narratively speaking. Absolutely, uh, nationally. Speaking. You're absolutely correct. I think you're um, absolutely correct. I mean, uh, wouldn't you wouldn't you audible? To, wouldn't you audible then to the yes. Cincinnati game? You call on the crowd to do a green out, and you bust out. Yep. Or a top ten matchup at home, only yep. the second top ten matchup at home that you've had since, you know, yep. win since the Bush push game. Yeah. The second top yep. ten matchup since the Bush push game. You you roll out the greens. Yep. And and now I have a problem that I'm gonna. I mean, I might have to break out the green Sperry's again. But okay. <laughs> it, look, and they don't do this. They don't do this unless they they win that game on Saturday against Wisconsin. Right, which is sure. why like there's a, re- the last there's a minute. recipe to this. Yeah, 
which is the last minute audible for the green out. USC especially, but USC and UNC are not what people thought they would be. You're 4-0 now. Now Cincinnati is now the biggest game of the year for you. I mean, every every game onward becomes the biggest game. But legit, like this is the top 10 matchup. You're an underdog. This is this is the time. If you're gonna use it, this is the time. The only other only other reason that you could use it for is senior day against Georgia Tech. Because it's it's the built-in excuse. It's the baked in the box score excuse that's been used <laughs> before. Ugh. So I don't know. I I don't I I guess 70-30, yes. This is the first but, time I think that I've seen you commit to a green jersey. It's not listen, it's not hard for them to call for a green out, right? You just had no. one. You still got merchandise to sell. Mm-hmm. You guys know my feelings on that. I yeah print extensively on merchandising and why they do what they do. You got merchandise to sell. The shirt this year is green. And it just it looked pretty against Purdue, right? Like the sea of green is pretty. Like the the stadium, you know, Notre Dame never backed a green out. They never as a school backed these kind of things until 2018 Michigan. And so it was kind of like, a maybe it would happen. You know, even if it was called for by the fans, it didn't really happen. It sure. took the school to like, say, this is what it is before it became a thing. So now, you know, it's a kid with a new toy. It looks pretty. It did good. You got to win. And you, now you got all this merchandise you can still sell. The shirt's green. It's just, it's easy. But as far as the green jersey goes, if it's going to be done at all this year, this is the game now. Like, you can't, I... If they don't do it for Cincinnati, the only other option would that they would use, the only other time they could use it is against Georgia Tech and Senior Day. They wouldn't use yeah. it any other time. Unless you, it Which was like a, a, remember the 2006 Army game, Green Uni? Or is that, that, that was. Well, that was, that was senior yeah. day. Senior and, day. Yeah. And Weiss, and Weiss used it. That was the first like senior day green jersey excuse where he said he wanted these seniors to be able to wear the green jersey this, that, in their final year once. Like, that's kind of like, you know, and then the next year, shit year, but they still wore it. They wore the. The best green jersey ever against SC. My God, break those out. Mm -hmm. I mean, we're already like all over the map. So let let me just uh, say real quick. I believe Notre Dame and Under Armour should use the jerseys that we saw on Saturday like once a fucking year. Or just like whatever Shamrock series is scheduled, just break those out. Those were fucking gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous to see on the field, out there, all together on pads. That was a that was a gorgeous uniform. I I wouldn't mind if the pants became a staple. I you really like the, the stripe. I love that stripe. Love that it stripe. looks so good. It looks so good, and it kept us. They didn't change up the the mustard, and they they just put that stripe on there, and it just. It made all the players look faster. Um, all of them, all <laughs> almost all of them, except for Drew White. <laughs> and he still willed himself into the end zone. Well, Jude, do you got any way. strong feelings about, about that uniform? 
I mean, I was just gushing all day I, thinking about how pretty this was. So I, I think that I've said it, which is that I saw it on a rack, thought it was terrible, saw the promotional pictures, was unimpressed, saw Kyron Williams and Houston Griffith running around Soldier Field in the promo video, was more impressed. And by the time I got to the game, I was like, yeah, these are these are fun. I, I, I enjoy it. So. I, don't, I, I just I like the color of the pants. I, I just, you know, but I don't have any strong feelings about whether or not the stripe should remain or if we should change the color of our pants. It just as long as they keep the, no, the, just, the dome golden, I'm pretty much OK. I just think they should, they, those should be reserved for every Shamrock series moving forward or any. I mean, you guys know my feeling. The Shamrock also, series should just be should just be like Navy or Army. Yeah. Or I also you know, love that they, all three of them rotate. That uh, Fox didn't try to shove that Chicago nonsense down our throats about about these uniforms. So. <laughs> they know better. They they, they weren't involved in those process. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Brian Kelly, winningest coach in Notre Dame history. I can't tell you the amount of shit I've caught because it's still adding up for publishing uh, that he should get a statue. Mind you, most people blow me shit. Didn't take the time to read uh, the 420 words that I wrote. It wasn't long. But within yeah. that explanation, actually, I think I actually agree with you. Once I read the article, which was, I, I think that there's there. We talked about this on the podcast before. We, there needs to be some way to honor him. I think a statue is more than appropriate. I just don't think it's going to go anywhere outside the stadium like the current statues are going. So right. And first things first, get Muffet hers. Without, yeah, of course. I mean, there's no get hers, but he had a bust or whatever else was just that none of I, none of that is acceptable. It is not acceptable that he has more wins than any coach in Notre Dame history, not fucking Bowling Green history, not Indiana, Notre Dame history. Moose Krause sits on a bench. It's, it's a, which is a perfect, I mean, Moose Krause's statue is perfect for what it is. There, you could find that kind of that kind of perfectness for a Brian Kelly, for a non-national title winning Brian Kelly. Should you have to do that once he moves on, it can be put anywhere on campus. Moses did not make the promised land either. Yeah, he's got a fucking statue. <laughs> I mean, there are plenty of statues on campus, and there's plenty of room on campus, and. Plopping one out in front of the Goog, a place that Brian Kelly has turned into his personal chemistry lab of transforming this program from what it was to what it is now. And even the most ardent Notre Dame alum, self-loathing asshole haters of Brian Kelly can't say with a straight face that this program isn't light years better than when he found it. And that in this day and age is a big fucking deal. It's a huge deal. And again, we wouldn't even have this conversation if Kansas State went another fucking job in 2012. I mean, that's that small of an error. I mean, it's that, that that's small. It's something. You do not you do not just come to Notre Dame and have become the all-time winningest coach and walk away with a bust somewhere or just like a plaque on a bathroom doorway. <laughs> That's just, and look, Brian Kelly said all the right things that he had to say. 
And people are like, well, he, he even said he doesn't. He didn't say that he didn't want one. He just said that's how he's going to be viewed as. Right. Nobody, nobody ever wants their legacy not to be great when they're done. I mean, five, five years after he's retired, you think he's going to tell them no when they say, hey, we're going to have a statue for you this year, blah, blah, blah. No, he'd be proud as shit about that. And he should be. But he's saying the correct things because you don't talk over Newt Rockney or Frank or Era. You just don't do it. Especially not, when you're on the championship I mean, No, and he's not stupid for God's he's sake. He's not stupid. And he does, and it doesn't even matter. He doesn't even he doesn't believe that himself anyways. He doesn't he doesn't think of himself as better than them. It's, and that's not the point. I mean, <laughs> everyone's like the the bar for for Kelly is just way too high for for people out there. I just felt he needs one. He deserves one. Here's a quick explainer of why I think that. And holy shit, my inbox is full. <laughs> oh my god! Like, whew. I I knew it was gonna catch some heat. Jesus, get a grip, y'all. Like, do you really think that much more of Dan Divine? That Brian Kelly. He was the guy Rudy. He fucking followed Era. I mean, come on. That's like, I mean, anyways. But yeah, so so now he's he's top dog, and every win now from here till he till he leaves Notre Dame is just piling it on, and it's a record that. Let's face it, no one's ever gonna beat. Whenever he leaves, whenever he leaves, the record that he leaves will be the record, the same record a hundred years later. Right? I mean, Rock, Rockney's lasted as long as it has. I don't see why. Dude, you and I, you and I, you and I can all never find common ground half the time. You can agree with that, right? <laughs> I was, I was just giving it some thought. Like, what, what would it take? I mean, just sustained success for several seasons. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I feel pretty confident that this one's going to stay, this one's going to stand for a while. 106 wins. That's over 10 wins a year for a decade. Yeah. That's a lot, man. That's a fucking lot. It is a lot. It's definitely a lot. I mean, I, guys that are, guys that are doing that are bolting for the NFL. <laughs> That's true. Or they're burnt yeah, out. Just, and they're dying of heart attacks. Just coaching at one job for a decade is a pretty rare and, and, and at a pressure packed place like Notre Dame or a Jordan, like Nick Saban is, is like, I don't want to make a Brian Kelly, Nick Saban comparison, but they're, they're built from the same kind of, they're, you know, they're cut from the same cloth a little bit in a sense that they've learned to deal with the immense pressure that's on top of them. Saban's is self-inflicted because he just can't stop winning. And Brian Kelly's is because Notre Dame is the most, stupidest job out there as far as <laughs> as far as pressure and expectations are concerned more so than Bama and it doesn't make any sense but that's that's what I'm saying that's how you if you're the coach you're like how are you expecting me to do better than Bama you assholes <laughs> you know <laughs> but it's it's that kind of level there aren't many coaches out there like that or will ever be that whatever Kelly leaves it at is going to be this that record for the next hundred years. And if you don't think a statue is worthy of that, then I don't want to know you. 
Is there anything else about the game that, that we would, I mean, do we, is there anything else? I mean, it just, Brendan, I mean, do you have any, I, I guess I was expecting more from you tonight on the quarterback situation. I see the DMs flying and I'm just like, oh, tonight might get I'm, interesting. Well, part of it is, is I don't want to get too forward facing with it. Um, okay. Okay. Cause, cause a lot of that's going to be in uh, Cincinnati, but I will say um, that this is a third. I, I mean, I, I, I brought it up before. It is a third straight time that Jack Cohn has failed to throw 55% completions. And this one didn't have the drops that were there for Purdue. Um, and it was never more evident than it was this weekend of him just walking into sacks and, I don't want to see a kid get hurt. I don't want to see a kid lose his job because he's going to get hurt. But if, if he's not able to go on Saturday for the Cincinnati game, having a quarterback with a little bit more mobility, like someone like Drew Pine and might be the best thing for the team, because I think that um, he's not hitting on deep balls. Cause that's, that's the thing is I could take a 55% He's sub 55. I could take a 50% completion if he's arm punting, um, you know, 60, 60 yard bombs, but he's not hitting on 60 yard bombs. In fact, uh, what was the longest pass play of the afternoon? Right. It's just. What was it? The touchdown? Uh, the longest. Uh, the, Austin's, the, the, yeah. 36 yards. Yeah, 36 yards. That's, that's not gonna, it's not going to do it. And there was opportunities um, like the one to Lindsay. And the, there was also one, um, you know, with uh, Austin as well, where just if, you, if you're not hitting on your long throws, you're taking sacks and you're not completing 55 percent of your passes. I just I don't understand what we're doing here. Um, but we'll find out this weekend how it goes, because hell or high water this this cincinnati game is going to set the tenor for the second half of the season um because it's it's a top 10 matchup like are you guys ready for a fight like i don't know i'm talking about cincinnati i'm talking about, <laughs> talking about this podcast cincinnati. i'm talking about the post cincinnati win when it's it's i mean you ready to be the villains because there's no there's nothing going to be more villainous than notre dame continually to win while oh. everyone else over the country is just fucking groaning about it. I mean, yeah. they're already pissing and moaning about it. Yeah, I mean, every, everybody's got caveats for this win. And there's there seemingly is caveats for every time. If Notre Dame wins a close game, um, you know, Oklahoma wins a close game. And every I don't I don't recall it was somebody on ESPN. They were talking about how since when was winning close games frowned upon. And it's like, well, every time Notre Dame does, you guys shit all over it. And, you know, uh, uh, now two loss West Virginia takes them close and Tulane takes them close. And um, but Oklahoma gets the pass um, for close, close games. And Notre Dame blows out a team and uh, the team that Notre Dame blows out is instantly shitty. Miami gets blown out by um, Alabama and they're tripping over themselves to try and justify Miami being good. I was still like, being good. Yeah. Are, are, there's just a different set of rules that Notre Dame plays by. And 
according to the media and the narrative and just nothing seemingly they do is good enough for them. There's always something wrong. So Josh, you're right. There's only one option here and that is to go full villain. Full villain. Full villain. Who do you guys think is the biggest villain on Notre Dame's team right now? <sighs> uh, I mean, Kyle Hamilton, I think, is the correct answer. And I think that Kyle Hamilton is slowly taking the heel turn that we need him to have. Because um, when he was on the uh, punt return and he's John with the um, – or on the kick return, and he's John with the the sideline, and then the the scrubs. By the way, uh, good job, um, Notre Dame staff, putting your star player on special teams so a couple of backup scrubs <laughs> can pin him down and step on his arm, like you know Judd Nelson's dad putting a cigarette in it in a cigar. Oh my a god! Cigar in it. Hey. Like they pinned him down and stepped <laughs> on his arm. And Kelly gets the unsportsmanlike conduct coming out there and defending Kyle. But, like, Kyle's, Kyle might be taking that turn where he's starting to jaw. He's taking his helmet off on the sideline. And he's acting like – Kyle's acting like a yeah. Miami DB, vintage Miami DB, where he's going to ball out, be the best player on the field. He's going to let you know that he's the best player while he's balling out. And there's nothing you can do about it. And, this and, that, is, and that's it's yeah, that's where I wanted to lead into a little bit tonight is Cal Hamilton. And everything you've Brendan, you basically took like 70 percent of what I wanted to say about Kyle right out of my mouth, because this isn't the Kyle Hamilton we saw last year. This is I mean, he's I think he's always been a confident guy because when you play that fucking good, you should be confident. But now it's 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 taken on a whole new life of itself. Like the the shit talking, the I mean showboating, and I say that in the fucking most respectful of ways, is needed on this team. I I, I don't know which old ass is listening to this podcast and that's <laughs> bad about it, but go listen to a different one, not this one. It's absolutely needed on this team and. Showing that kind of confidence and with that C on your chest and marching your team out to go for a fight with another team. That's I mean, that does a lot for for this for this program that needs these scrappy wins because they got some real problems. Calla Hamilton helps mask that in so many different ways other than just his play on the field. And I got to tell you, like. I mentioned earlier in the podcast that inside the garage that with Cam Hart and Kyle and uh, KJ Wallace and the walk on. (laughs) 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 It's all right. Connor Radigan. Yes. Connor Radigan. Thank you. It was your walk on, walk on Irish name. Kind of like a lacrosse bro kicker. Like we talked about this before we, before we hit record. Listening to that and talk and Kyle and Cam talking about Cam's second interception and how emotional that was for the two of them. Like, and, and I, I really started thinking about number one, like how much I miss listening to that podcast. 
that makes me miss being young and playing football again, like more than anything else. Cause you really feel the, that the whole teammate vibe thing there. And that's, that's a huge thing. That's a, that's a big thing, especially, you know, 14 to, to 20 years old, you know, going, you know, going toe to toe against some assholes across the field from you, the whole, every little inside joke, it's all huge. And it's all inside that podcast. It's, which is, it's just fantastic. But listening to them talk about how much that interception meant to Cam, which means how much it meant to Kyle, and then watching that hug on the icon video, it's just like, fuck, dude. Fuck. I mean, if you don't got if you don't got a little bit of hair on your back standing up a little bit, thinking about all that and seeing all that happen. But I'm not even sure why you're you're watching football because I have that's like part of it right there. That's just I feel like this team has amazing, amazing chemistry. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah. somebody made a there's comment, not a quarterback dividing the, about, the locker room or anything like that. There doesn't seem to be a lot of drama. That just seems like people are and playing. Somebody for made that comment about how Cone has the coaches and Pine has the locker room. I don't find that to be the case at all. I don't think Pine says what he like, says if if that that was true. Yeah, I don't think that's a I don't think that I think that's a thing. You know what? And if we don't get if this isn't 2021 where we get all this access and non-filtered act like the podcast and be able to see those moments on icon and all that like all this stuff that you could piece together easily without having to go through reading it on the newspaper, which they wouldn't print this shit anyways, because that's not what they do. You don't get that. Then you are thinking that there's maybe, maybe maybe there's something going on, but there's proof right there. Like this is an incredibly close team. This is incredible. This is the team that has each other's backs. Brian Kelly has just absolutely done his job in changing the culture at Notre Dame. If if you think about how this team, how this program used to be before Kelly got here. And the divides in the locker room, and the the me's and and the reasons the guys were there, it was all over the fucking map. And this team was not it was was not its team, and it's not been perfect for Kelly this whole time. No, of you, course you not. can't say that. But he's Just playing for my guys. Remember that? Mentor yeah, Teo. but he's really he's really got to that point over these last four or five years, and now dude, he's sitting in the driver's seat. I mean, as far as culture goes, like your culture is built in now. And when, when they're buying in, it really seems like they are buying in. And that's the thing about Kyle. He's bought in hook, line and sinker. And when the best player on your team has bought in to, to the culture of the program, you're going to win some football games. I mean, Kyle cannot stop talking about, how awesome Brian Kelly is. And he has no reason to do so. He doesn't have to worry. He could call, he could say Kelly is an asshole, but he'd still be starting. <laughs> and, you know, so he doesn't have to like kiss his ass. And yet it sounds like that, not to say that he is, but I mean, it's, it's his praise is so effusive. <laughs> it's so over the top. Yeah. Effusive. Thank you, Jude. That that's what it is. But Kyle, but, Back to Kyle, just a second. Just the way that he's gone about 
his business and the way that he's like been the star player that isn't the prima donna, but is the ultimate guy off the bus. Let's go to war guy. It says, you know, a ton about him and a ton about this defense and this team. And the, the thing too about this defense and they played a hell of a game against Wisconsin this weekend. Dude, they still haven't even come close to hitting their ceiling. No, God, yes. You're oh. absolutely right. And fantastic point. like a thing about Cam Hart pulling in those two picks, um, the confidence, like it got, it, it, it made, cause he referenced it a couple of times about the, the one he missed last year. Um, the confidence that you get from that going back to back and for cornerbacks, it's about two things, right? It's about next play, right? Uh, short memories, but then just as much as a short memory, it is a position um, defined by confidence. And if he continues to step up his game and, you know, Clarence Lewis has been good over on the, and Tariq Bracey's filled in nicely. Um, I mean, they got something cooking with this defense well, they, and they flip flop the corners, you know, Cam cam's playing the field side now. Yeah. I like, I didn't see that coming. No, I gotta say that. I didn't see that coming. Well, I mean, when you're, it is working. Yeah. And I, I think the pass rush can get better. I think is you get Batella more involved. Um, you know, they didn't even have, you know, Kurt Heinisch this weekend. Um, that storyline didn't pan out for as anything, right? So you're getting, he's coming back, and I just, I don't know, man. I think that as this season goes on, I and they start adapting more and more, and uh, Freeman's able to do more and more things as they get more comfortable. Uh, by season's end, this defense is, it's going to be scary, and I'm very confidence interested. Confidence level is. Their confidence level in, in themselves and, and in their unit is just it, – it's up – it's way, way up there. Yeah, and it it's couldn't, way it couldn't come and at a – it could not come at a better point um, than, you know, the, the best QB, though, they'll probably play as far as like a dual threat. Um, so I'm interested to, to see to see how that pans out, how they operate. I mean, a, you shit. Spy again. Shit, Brendan. You might as well. You could probably just say Ritter's the best quarterback they're going to face. Period. Because anyone's holding yeah. out, holding out that Sam Howell talk. No. <laughs> and <laughs> Keaton, <laughs> Keaton Slovis seen it. Um, actually, hey, probably the second hey, best quarterback they play is Sims, right? Hey, what what else were you, have we been right for fucking months and months? Oh, and months. Well, uh, well, how about UNC's offensive line? Like, or, and Clemson's offensive, like, we can't be more right than what we've been and how we've oh, been yeah. diagnosing programs. Like, the whole, the, this whole thing about Clemson, the whole thing about Clemson floundering right now and everyone's zeroing in on the, on the offensive line. Like, yeah, no shit. We've been talking about their recruiting ra- rankings on their offensive line for two years now. And they're like, well, we just don't know what they're going to do without a generational quarterback. It's like, they have the same talent level as Notre Dame, basically. Then, without those those quarterbacks, that's that's the difference. That's been the difference. 
And now UNC, everyone thought they were going to blast through without while they were losing all these playmakers, but yet their shitty offensive line is all coming back. Somehow they're going to be miraculously better. No, that's not how it works. <laughs> that is not how it works. But people are just getting that now. We were there in like fucking January. <laughs> yeah, of last year. <laughs> I mean, it's just I. I this is not. I'm not trying to like high praise this, but this is like that's just fucking common sense. Welcome to like normal thinking. Like just because a player comes back, he's still a shitty player. North Carolina's offensive line is not good, no. and Sam Howell lost a lot of weapons that they relied on. You just don't replace all those guys. Just like Notre Dame just did not replace four guys that moved on to the NFL. Like you can't say, and they were all on that. They were talking all about that, yet somehow returning shitty players is is so much better. <laughs> you know, I just I don't I don't get it. <clears throat> this seat, look, this season's wild already. And I know a lot of people were surprised about last weekend. But you shouldn't be. You should never be surprised about a weekend like last weekend. When when With you're looking up and down, five teams going down. Yeah, because what happens if you have – what if every top 25 team played a top 25 team? You have 12 matchups and then one with other, playing other votes. You have 12 losses. Right. But now you, but now you have that's – like, that's 12 and a half, maybe 13 games. Well, now you have 25 games or so. I think it was like 23. Because whoever plays Notre Dame is a goddamn coward and won't play on the week, <laughs> week before. Yeah. But now you have, you have this many more chances of a ranked team going down. It's just, it's just math. And math is dumb, but it's just math. You have more. So when it's, so when you see a week where you're like, Oh, there's not a whole lot of ranked matches. That, that's the week to pay attention. Cause that's the week where the real excited, I don't get excited over, uh, the 17th ranked team beating the 12th ranked team. That's okay. Mm-hmm. That, 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 that would, that just, I mean, that may be a big, maybe, depending on the teams, maybe that's a big deal, but like that, that's, that's a normal kind of a thing that can happen. But other shit that happens ain't <laughs> North Carolina state beating Clemson ain't normal. No, that's fun. That cocksucker should have won it in regulation. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my Mr. God, Mister Kick. Kick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was, well, just, it was a it was a it was a fun weekend. It was it really. I think I don't know if it hit all of the uh, of the uh, prerequisites for a blood week, but it was bloody enough. I mean, Michigan almost got popped by Rutgers. Michigan State almost got popped uh, by Nebraska. Uh, well, this way Auburn when Wisconsin. Escaped. This way when Wisconsin beats Michigan, like. Twenty-four to seven. Oh yeah, this It'll week be even worse for the Wolverines. Makes, no. it just makes it that much more fun. This week, by the way, though, I think I think there's Ole Miss just misses um, this having three top ten matchups because it's seven Cincy, nine Notre Dame, eight Arkansas, two Georgia, and then it's Alabama going uh, hosting Ole Miss, and Ole Miss is twelve. So it's a sexy weekend, this one. So watch it all go um, chalk minus Notre Dame. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a yeah. The the Arkansas has been fun. That's a that's a, that's a fun twist to the plot story for sure. Yeah, they've uh, they've had makes some, it makes it more interesting. Fun ducking you know, on Texas. Somebody I don't think gets enough love. This is random. I'm sorry. You know somebody gets no. I don't think gets enough love. Jason Adamillo. I think he's been awesome this year. I think he's just been spectacular. Yeah, I'm and just I saying you better like, use a better a better word than awesome because I, I I'm with you. I uh, I think that the teams are starting to account for him. I think that he could have been a lot more dangerous had a couple of penalties been called. <laughs> uh, because I think he was he was a uh, he was causing fits for the Wisconsin team, and I think he's going to do the same all the rest of the year. I think he's a real good fit in this defense. I mean, five tackles, two of them were for loss with a sack. Forced that fumble there at the end, and it was gorgeous too. It was a gorgeous strip sack. As he's been good, and he's the guy that we always bring him up, like kind of like in the rear. But it's always like he's so good. <laughs> like he all, all those twins do is fucking produce when they go out in the field. Like it's it's never been flashy. And now you know, and Jason was a was a was a five, was a four star recruit, but it's still. And you would think he, so you'd think there'd be more hype there, but it just, it just wasn't. And yet all they've ever done is produce since they've been at Notre Dame. I think, I think Justin's looked outstanding this season. We talked about that. I think on the last podcast, I don't know if it's the number nine. Yeah. It's just the like number nine. Up, going out of single digits. He just, he looks good, man. Um, I, f- I just feel like when he makes a stop, um, for a loss, he needs to do the swipe. Like it, uh, <laughs> Jalen Smith used to do the like scoop thing. Yeah, get some, call that a swipe. But I mean, yeah, get some brand, get some branding lawyers involved in that. <laughs> 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 like, so you're gonna have to stop swiping. Uh, <laughs> Maybe you could just now, hashtag uh, clear eye view and just be done with it. A name we didn't bring up and and that we should have. Uh, Jordan Botello. Yeah, like looked like really his first game, like first action, looked fantastic. Like his first like real game pressure stuff looked good. Like what they did with him. I mean, he didn't rack up a ton of stats, but Jay, his presence was known out there. Seventy-two yard punt. Oh Jesus! That didn't Bramble suck for Heisman. No, <laughs> it did not suck I, at all. I can't. I can't. Or believe, at least the right guy. I can't believe that return guy for Wisconsin fucking let it hit again. Like. I know. He let it drop and he sees what happens. And like the very next time there was a punt, I'm like, there's no way he lets us hit the ground. And he fucking does. <laughs> it didn't roll quite as, as far back as the first time, but I'm like, how does that guy, how do you let that go? If you're that returner, put your hand up, call a fair catch, catch the damn thing. You just allow it. I mean, that punt went what? 49 yards, maybe. <clears throat> Excuse me. <laughs> like 49 yards and then the roll for the 72. But I mean, you got to catch that. I could not believe. And I, I was waiting to see what he would do. And if you let it drop, I'm like, Oh my God, if I was a Wisconsin fan, I'd be throwing. I mean, there's other things to throw fits about, but there's a lot of hidden yardage right there. <laughs> like a lot. Ugh. Okay. 
Well, then I guess if we're, we're just starting shouting out potpourri here. <laughs> Start wrapping this up. Jude, you got any final thoughts? No, I'm just um, I'm looking forward to uh, coming back for the preview this week. Uh, we're going to bring our good friend Greg on. Why? Because the- I'm not there? <laughs> no. Why? Why Why are you looking forward to the preview, Jude? Um, Greg makes me feel smarter about the game that I watch. I, I, I'm very thankful to Greg. If you don't follow him on Twitter, what are you doing with your life? Greg2126. Um, he can break down the game and explain it in a way that I think makes a lot of sense. Um, and I'm looking forward to, as always, Brendan, Brendan bringing the hot fire with, uh, with the deep dive into, into Cincinnati. So I, I think we got to, you know, look, I'm just, I'm there for the ride. So I, I'm just, uh, I'm happy to, uh, to have two great guys on the, on the podcast on, on Wednesday. So if you're getting this and you're feeling bummed about it being a little bit later than usual, first of all, don't feel bummed. Um, that's life. And second of all, uh, you know, come back, come back Thursday morning, early Thursday morning for, uh, an, an additional pod with, uh, with Brendan and, and, and Greg. Yeah. Now that we're out of our, um, weird start to the season, we're going to get, we're getting into more of the groove. So it'll be more like this. Like, unfortunately, unless we want to like pod two nights in a row, which is never anything our wives would probably appreciate. <laughs> um, so we might have a few more, a few more times like that, or it's going to be, it is what it is. It fucking is what it is. Um, but I'm glad that you, uh, you're super excited to have a pod without me, Jude. That's all I heard. <laughs> That's what I heard too. I mean, That's all I heard. No lie. I did. I did really enjoy our pod with it. Listen Ashley, to the giddiness. So. Listen to the giddiness. <laughs> we just spent two hours recording this thing and Jude's can't wait to get to the next one. I can't wait to get to the next one. Okay. This I one was fine. This one was fine, but Wednesday. Oh my God. Get ready for a real barn burner. <laughs> Brendan, what's left on the plate, buddy? Whew, man, I don't have. Uh, I think Jude pretty much uh, hit everything you we could probably possibly uh, hit on there. I'm uh, I'm very 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 excited that I was 110 percent right about Wisconsin, and no one will ever <laughs> take that away from me. Um, so whatever I do from here on out the rest of the year is just, uh, gravy. It's just, just just gravy. Um, but in all seriousness, um, I am really looking forward to this weekend's game. Uh, Josh and I'll be back up in the booth together for this one. So, which is, which is just like, it had to be right. Cincinnati podcast adjacent. Oh, it it had to, uh, my wife, by the way, uh, she told me after the, Bengals beat the uh, Steelers this weekend. Uh, she looked over at me and she goes, you better not pull any of that Cincinnati adjacent bullshit this week. And I'm like, no, don't worry. <laughs> we're putting it, we're putting it on mothballs. Yeah. It's uh, we've, we've been very quiet about Cincinnati. Uh, the first few weeks of the season. Very quiet. Um, I was going to I forgot to tell you guys that uh, our alumni club here in uh, central New York, has a, uh, I'm in Northern New York, but it's in central New York, um, has a, a bus trip that we do every year. And this year we're doing a bus trip to, to USC and they sold all the tickets or whatever. And, uh, um, they had a guy back out at the last second. So they need one guy to go on the trip. And I was just like, you know what? 
This is a terrible, it, time for, a terrible time for me to walk away from work, but God damn it. Yes. Like, oh, you yes. know, so I told, I told yes. them that I told them that, uh, if they didn't get a, if they didn't get a buyer by October 1st, then I would be their Huckleberry. So, uh, in three days, I'm going to find out if I'm going to be at, uh, at the USC game. And I'm, I'm very excited because I think Greg's going to be there as well. So, um, obviously love seeing you guys, but, uh, to meet Greg in, in, in person is going to be pretty fun too. So, so we're getting, we're getting so the band together. Know- so you don't know if you have it or not. Uh, I mean, I'm pretty sure nobody stepped forward in uh, ten days. So um, it's it's only got three more to go. I fi- I figured maybe winning Wisconsin might get to get the done. But yeah, I mean, I'm the co-president. They're going to give it to me if I if I want it. So yes, it's it's pretty much a done deal. Well, if somehow it somehow it shakes out the other way. Then I'm just going to fucking put your name up to be up in the box with me then, because now you can't get out of it. <laughs> Cause now you, <laughs> yeah, cause you just, now you just admitted that you'd go. And so, so now you have no excuse. So the, uh, I, I mean, I can't be on that video. I, I won't be able to restrain myself to, uh, you know, Chris Tyree breaks out a 96 yard kick return. I'm going to be, it's going to be hard to sit there uh, motionless. while uh, Ryan Harris jumps up and down, you know? So yeah, my, my, uh, so my sister-in-law and her best friend were here. There was a the the school PTO, which my wife, uh, I, I guess she was just helping them out this year, but usually she's I think she's the vice president or treasurer or whatever it was. Uh, for, she's like been the big uh, they do this purse raffle every year, and so she had a bunch of family members and their friends here in town that Saturday f- to go to this thing. It's kind of a big deal, um, makes a ton of raises a ton of money for our school or for the PTO. So they're all in the house when Tyree ran that back. And so not only was, you know, Dylan of all people coming in to like check on me. (laughs) So when I walked out of the office, I just looked at him all. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm like, I don't get a yell like this. (laughs) I'm like, I was, I was putting it all out on the line and that was the one. (laughs) It was just, I, I couldn't help myself. It was too much fun. We should return more kicks for touchdowns. My uh, my wife just That's got a, a new my my wife just got a new uh, colleague in in her music department at school, and so she wants to invite him over, and so she decides to invite him over on Saturday, and I just kind of gave her this look like, "Are you kidding?" And she goes, "I figured out what time the Notre Dame game was. I invited him early, and I told him that at two thirty, my husband was going to straight up ignore him unless he was going to watch the game with him." So I was like, "All right, well, as long as he knows." Oh, you. So. so personal question here. Yeah. You would, would you watch the game at home with a stranger? Cause I don't think I can do that. Yeah. Because th- th- this guy is clearly doesn't give a shit about football. So like, if he wants to sit there and watch me watch football, I don't care. Like I just, right, but what if he talks? What if he says something? If he says something, I'll give him a look. Like, are you fucking kidding okay. me in my own house? Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, uh, yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. Okay. I, I, like, I can't, I can't watch games at bar. I mean, I, I was never a good bar watcher anyways. Cause I, I don't like people anymore. I mean, I, uh, but, I don't know the guy personally, but he's a chorus teacher at a high school. I don't think he's going to be doing a lot of shit talking. I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I Jude, do not judge a book by their <laughs> music sheets. All right. <laughs> You don't, you don't know what you're getting. You don't know. No. You don't know this man. I don't know this man. You're right. But. You know what you should do? You should create a 
What were those quizzes you used to make for everybody? You should create <laughs> a quiz like that. A sporkle just quiz. Some random sh- yeah, just some random shit to like get to the point of like what this person's all about. And like, would you mind taking this before you come to my house? <laughs> just, I, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. Every, everybody's doing it. I don't know. <sighs> okay. Well, just a reminder, everybody, get your ass, get over to Apple Podcasts, leave that rating, leave a review. We'll talk about it. Be a part of the show. Make your voice heard. Uh, some guy on Twitter said that uh, something about he wanted, he wished that he wished that me and John Walters would get into a fight. Was this comment? Oh, and I basically replied that I, that would never go well for John Walters. And I'm not trying to shit talk. (laughs) (laughs) He's an old man. He's he's a skinny mini too, right? Isn't he? John's like, he's not not an imposing figure, right? He's like 60 years old, right? I don't know that he's He's that old. I think he's an 88 guy, guy. right? Yeah. He's not a young guy. I mean, I'm not a young guy. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. But yeah, anyways, that might be 55, but it was funny. It was like, that was the first thing I thought of. It was the way the guy said, it. I think he really like wanted us to debate. So Walter's supposed to be on the opposite end of this Brian Kelly statue thing. Cause that's what it was about. I'm telling you, I got the amount of shit I've got from that is unreal. Uh, but yeah, so the, the first thing I thought of was this guy's like, this guy really wants me and John Walters to fight. Like, man, that's, that's not a good look. <laughs> that's not good. That's not gonna go well for John. It's not gonna go well for me. Can we raise some bucks no, for charity or something? And the thing is, if we went, we got to a debate, Walters would fucking wipe my ass. You know, right. <laughs> he would kill me. So, so no, I don't want to do that either. <laughs> and the problem is, I'd be right, and he'd still he'd still kill me in a debate. So that's fine. Anyways, everyone's losing their minds. It's no name's Fordo. Be cool. Be just just be cool. Enjoy yourself. We are, we are a third of the way through the season. Ugh. One third. What was that, Brendan? Did I get a? Uh? Ugh. Yeah. 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 We are a third of the way through the season. So, be cool. Start enjoying the good things, and just I don't know, man. Let the, let the chips fall where they may, man. Be. You think the villains are fucking? I mean, just let it happen. Don't worry about who's the quarterback. It doesn't matter. We're going to win. Fuck. Brian Kelly's been doing this too long with all sorts of rando quarterbacks. Marcus Freeman's got to figure it out on the other side of the ball. What's that? Yeah. Marcus Freeman's got to figure it out on the other side of the ball. So (laughs) we were boy. I'll tell you what, if there's anybody that I I think can game plan against Cincinnati, I would, I'm going to say Marcus Freeman. So pretty confident about that. Yeah, I know they played that off a lot or that, you know, they downplayed that against Wisconsin and the Jack Cohn thing, you know, and by the way, I think we were hundred percent correct about, about Cone. He's a little, he's a little, I, I, I mean, I was pretty confident we were right, but hearing a couple other podcasts, uh, talking about Cone and his demeanor that game, like, there was some, there was extra juice there. So if that affected his play a little bit more, made him more of a statue. I don't know, but it definitely was a thing. 
But this is a totally different monster than the Cone Wisconsin thing. Freeman and hell, even Mickens, uh, you know, hasn't been gone that long. I mean, Mickens is You think Brian Kelly's in the meetings? Like, don't tell me a thing about what you think about Wisconsin (laughs) while you're there, Marcus. (laughs) It doesn't matter what we do. No, no, it's it's definitely definitely something that should be baked into the box score. Is how well Marcus Freeman knows. I, on the flip side, though, I would also say that uh, they know some of Marcus's tendencies uh, as well. What? So now, Marcus keeps changing his tendencies, and they're not tendencies is it, anymore. <laughs> is it Den, is Den Brock the play caller? Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Wait, like wait, I, wait. Like I know this weekend is full oh, of. Well, Michael Young on the other side too, right? That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Look, if, if there's a theme here for this week, and I, I like kind of like live and die by themes, it's that Cincinnati is Notre Dame's farm team. Oh boy. It just Ooh. is. Ooh. It's their farm club. It's, it's not it's wrong. The Toledo, it's the Toledo Hens to the Detroit Tigers. When Notre Dame really needs a p- player out of the uh, high school kid out of the state of Ohio, where do they go? Mueller. Elder. <laughs> St. X. St. X. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Randomly Rod- Cole. Randomly Roger Cole Bacon. No, no. Probably not Roger Bacon. No, we don't go to Roger Bacon. <laughs> There's no don't. talent there. We just, we just don't – well, we just don't recruit there. Yeah. But, yeah, it's – look. If you're going to be the villain, you're going to have to say some shit. So come along this journey. But I don't know how you can deny the fact that Cincinnati is Notre Dame's farm club. Look who our head coach is. Look who our defensive coordinator is. Look who our quarterback's coach is. Look look who Cincinnati's offensive coordinator is. Look who their wide receiver is. So you're saying they're, that we option sending, our, our refuse down? Or maybe our refuse sending guys up. We're sending guys down. That oh, isn't, and look, it's just, it's, 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 that's what happens. Oh, that's interesting. I'd love to hear, could you make the, what is the perfect staff of former Brian Kelly assistants? That that should be a topic for the off season. I think it's the one that he has now. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I mean, of jettisoned Brian Kelly assistants, but oh, yes, yeah. thank you. <laughs> oh yeah. That is not, that is, well, that needs to get put in the uh, in the, the idea. Op. We'll bin. definitely do that. In the, yeah. Oh yeah, that's a that's a hell of a off season. That's a three hour podcast in itself. <laughs> Maybe we'll have a draft. Michael Coward, defensive coordinator. So, Mike. so it's like twenty five after twelve right now. So unless you guys are wanting to uh, pod until three a.m., no, I think we'll just put that on the back burner. Yeah, put that one so, back burner. That because I definitely got some opinions. So all right, so that's it. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna be on the next pod. Greg, Greg I mean Greg will he'll he'll do okay for me. I, I well, think I think more than okay. He'll be amazing. Think, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I mean, the preview right. pods are really Brendan's time to shine. So that's really a Brendan. So yeah, and Greg gets the pick for me. So. Oh. Okay. What? Greg's. I'm gonna. I, I wasn't sure if it was going to be Greg or Ashton that covered for me this this uh, pod. Yeah. And I had already made up my mind. 
They're picking for me. Okay. That's what a vil- that's what a villain does. He gets done. I'm just gonna Pickers. say I won anyways. You're like college game day. You bring in the well, smoking guns or the what do they call those? <laughs> the villain does the villain does leave the room and leave his lackeys to uh, to take care of the villain. Well, yeah, the whoa, heroes. Whoa, whoa. Because Greg is no, because Greg if they do no if they do what they're supposed to listen if they do what they're supposed to then it goes then it's the plan that you put in place. If they don't, they're pieces of shit and the trap door opens up. <laughs> and they never get invited to the pot again. Pod <laughs> pressure. Pod pressure. Now, I'm sure we'll have Greg back at some point. Uh, so, yeah, that's it for Jude, for Brennan, for the whole crew over at OFD. Get you guys' ass over there. As always, go Irish. Go Irish. I can't even finish the fucking podcast. I'm so fired up still. Go Irish. <laughs>